Hello, listeners. This is producer John. Open Pike Night is going to be at Trek Long Island 2024. From May 31st to June 2nd, Cameron and myself, producer John, will be in the Big Apple living long and prospering. We'll be hosting a panel. We'll be giving out stickers. We will have our microphones. Be sure to follow Open Pike on social media and subscribe to openpike.substack.com because we also will be giving away some Trek Long Island weekend passes. Trek Long Island is May 31st to June 2nd at the Hyatt Regency in Hopog, New York. Hi, this is Veronica Sorio, and you're listening to Open Pike Night, the podcast that looks like getting your shit together. Is this thing on? Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Pike Night. I'm John T. Bold, your host, and this is the Strange New Worlds podcast where your personal logs are the prime directive. I'm here tonight with some amazing guests on stage and in the studio to discuss episode one of Strange New Worlds season two, The Broken Circle. Join us tonight as we discuss which Open Pike Night host will steal the enterprise and why, how effective music therapy is compared to something more human, and our favorite drug-fueled fights from our own lives. Joining me today are my co-hosts, the man whose heart rate increases any time Star Trek walks into the room, to report for duty, of course, host of Sudden But Inevitable, Jesse. Star Trek is back! I'm so happy! And the man who's ready for a drinking contest to get information at the drop of a hat, host of Green Shirt and Newbie's Trek through TNG, Cameron. Damn straight. Uh, but but can, do you have anything besides blood wine? Maybe an apple teeny. I could probably win an apple teeny match. And tonight we have a special guest, host of Treks in the City podcast, comedian, actress, writer, director, podcaster, and all-around badass, Veronica Osorio. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Absolutely. We've had a uh, great conversation before we started the show, and man, callers, you're in for a treat. And there are a lot of you this week, callers. Wow. People are watching the show. Yeah, people are watching the show and people are listening to us. And uh, we just love the the support we're getting from from our callers. We have some new, we have some returning, and we have some great calls tonight. Uh, Veronica, tell us about your history with Star Trek. All right, guys. So uh, for those of you who don't know anything about me, I so I am from Venezuela. And I actually didn't grow up watching Star Trek or anything, but I am a sci-fi uh, lover. And so at some point in 2012, I started, it was all available on Netflix. And a couple of my friends were like, we think you would enjoy this. And my <laughs> boyfriend at the time was like, I think you would really like this. And we started watching TNG from, from the, you know, from Encounter at Farpoint all the way to, to all good things. And I was just like, my brain just (laughs) it was over like from then on i could only see things in terms of like tng episodes and then of course we started watching ds9 and so i didn't grow up with it with like a lot of my my friends of or the people that we've had you know 
whatever. Point is, mm-hmm. like, my co-host, Alice, I have a, a Star Trek podcast called Treks in the City. Uh, we finish all of TNG from the beginning to the end. I, I honestly, it's like my entire vibe is like TMI. And <laughs> today I was driving around like, oh, my God. I wonder what's in those archives. Like <laughs> every time I tell someone, like, yeah, you should listen it, to it, like, and, and watch TNG alongside with us. I'm like, but not you, mom. Yeah. Oh, n- not anyone near me right now. Like at this point <laughs> in my life, um, I converted to Judaism. Like all of that. Like I had so many lovers and breakups and things, and it's all public. But. <laughs> It's all public within the Star Trek fandom, which I believe to be the kindest, most beautiful fandom in the world. So I honestly feel like it's the only safe space. And it's so niche and specific that, yes, there's millions of us, but no one would like shame me. So I feel Mm -hmm. I feel safe. I don't think I would do this in like a more public general topics podcast Ah, so that's me and then my co-host alice wetterland who's an amazing stand-up comedian actually and maybe more appropriate for this theme of the podcast um she we had the same manager and we both star trek you know girlies and then we're just like complaining about the fandom not having enough female perspectives Mm because like honestly what i care about is like Haven 2, what are the outfits? Like, what's Riker going to wear? <laughs> what, what, what earrings are, like, in and Bajor? Like, that's what I care about. Yeah. So so we were like, oh, we want to do a podcast. Like, they, our manager was like, you, you, you should talk to each other. And immediately, as soon as we talked, we're like, let's talk Star Trek and fashion. So we named our podcast Treks in the City, of course. Great. Yeah, I know. It's it's perfect name, we think. And then in our Patreon, we started watching the, you know, TOS. And then now we're on DS9. We're in season one of DS9. We took a little, like, breather. We didn't want to do, like, any ads anymore. So now we're only on Patreon. Okay. Mm. Uh, So we're in the Treks in the City, the Patreon slash Treks in the City. And then Alice and I each have our own Patreon, so you can listen to our podcast and and Treks in the City in each of our patrons individually, if you want, if you guys oh, nice. feel nice. inclined to. Uh, but it's just the two of us. It's like a two-woman operation. We're both extremely busy and have <laughs> so many other things to do. And so we go at our pace, and that's part of the charm of it. And at this point, you know, I started watching Picard, and I was like, what the fuck is this? We just get through it. So I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I know I need to get to season three. And so, okay, if you need to know, officially, I believe I'm Riker. That is my vibe. (laughs) Okay. I will fuck anything and everything that moves. I am a pansexual. I I don't care if you're asexual, agender. I'm fine with that. (laughs) And if a second other me would where to come on my ship, I would be like, fuck this fucker. Like, Riker was not Literally. okay with having a with second Shelby, Riker yep. at all. Yep. So I feel like I'm fully Riker. Uh, and when in Rome applies to me. I'll be I'll be going downstairs to the planets. I call the planets downstairs and the ship upstairs. I like that. <laughs> so I'll be going downstairs. Yeah. We we got some downstairs and upstairs in this episode. No, yeah. you you've watched all of Strange New Worlds, right? You're a big Strange New Worlds fan? Shit, no, here's where it gets <laughs> where it gets bad. 
This is so this is like Treks in the City. Kind of we wanted to open the space for like a casual fan because like the fan that's like, well, actually, an episode. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. I just trying to talk about earrings. Like, I'm just I'm just trying to talk about like who's hot. Like, I don't care. So um, we are casual fans in terms of, like we forget shit. We don't know shit, you know, like I'll, I'll be selective memory about stuff. And I haven't watched Strange New World season one, which Alice has. And she's like, please mm. get on it. Please get on it. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But I'm also an immigrant who has like 30,000 things to do. So <laughs> like today I watched the first episode of season two of Strange New Worlds. And just knowing that I'm in, I'm in like open pike night, I'm like, bitch, like pay attention. Like I, I had my tabs open. I was reading on the backgrounds of each character. And uh, I, I think this is the most attention I've paid watching any Star Trek ever. That, <laughs> so, that is truly an honor. I feel honored. Yes. I appreciate well, it. This is fantastic because last episode we were just asking ourselves, would this episode work for someone who's never watched season one? So we've got a proof point right here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I was able to figure well, the recap was really good. And yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, number one, number one. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what this species means, but she lied in her application. So, like, okay, here we are. And then, uh, I mean, Rebecca Rom, Rom, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she's fabulous. Um, totally. And then I was just, like, trying to, like, figure out, like, oh, okay, you're a hoorah. Oh, amazing. So, like, those that part I could figure out quickly. Mm. And can I tell you my one disappointment about all of this? It's yeah. that what is uh, the the guest star? I'll tell you right now, Pelia, Commander mm. Pelia. Mm. I'm like, don't tell me this is not a serious regular. Because ah. like, <laughs> do you want us to update you on on why she is a guest star? Yeah. Or do you want to do you want to wait it- till you watch <laughs> season one? Oh, mm. I am now. My curiosity has peaked. I'm a cat. I'm like, <laughs> it'll, whoa, whoa. it'll probably come up. It'll come it'll up. It'll come, come up. up. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. Um, but it, there is I a am, specific but, uh, reason why guest star yeah. status exists for her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a specific quality to like a woman who knows what she's like. Someone who can say techno babble as if they were drunk. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> that is a special category of acting. Yes. That, this this um, is true. This is true. I hope that was the casting call for Car- the Carol Kane answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a great casting call line. Only her oh. and Jennifer Coolidge actually could pull this <laughs> off. Oh, man. Oh. We got to get her oh, on this show shit. now. Hey. She's got to be an engineer at some point. Yes. yes. But the could yes she end. play, like, would you want her to do the Jennifer Coolidge? In universe, mm-hmm. also, I, yeah. or would you want her to like? I wanted Jennifer Coolidge Orion. Oh, right, okay. green, green skin Jennifer Coolidge. Okay, I yeah. can fucking get behind that. Yeah. Yes, for sure. <laughs> that's a good call. I think me and Veronica are going to co-write a Star Trek script before the end of this. <laughs> I think that's podcast. a great idea. <laughs> what Star Trek characters do you each identify yourself with? State your state your character. Oh, that's fair. So I she can did, figure she you out. Yeah. One. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, uh, we've kind of had this question before. I know I picked O'Brien. You're O'Brien? Definitely. So you're really mm-hmm. cranky about Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely understand, yes. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I can empathize with that. Having only watched three episodes of DS9, am I allowed to say Bashir? 
<laughs> oh shit! First three episode Bashir. Anyway, I don't you know. You might regret this choice. I, but that's fair. I, my life is full of regrets. So are you only hitting on people all of the time, like you're a golden retriever? Not really, but when I do, I'm about as successful as him. So. <laughs> okay, accepted answer. The answer has been accepted. I could see that. Yeah. The first time I watched TNG, I I felt a lot like Wesley. Um, I wasn't. <gasps> that age but i was like i remember Jesse sees himself as the chosen one uh, rather yeah. <laughs> i remember being in in rooms and feeling precocious and having adults kind of talk down to me but um i don't know if that's like my overall star trek persona i like to communicate so i i identify strongly with uhura but i also am just i'm absolutely in love with erica or tagus from strange new worlds but that's not really the same as identifying with that character. I guess I'd have to stick with Wesley. I'm here for this. We all went kind of TNG, except for you with Bashir. Yeah. <laughs> I think TNG should is the standard, honestly. Agree. I mean, maybe Jordy. If I had to go TNG, I'd say Jordy. Jordy's, <laughs> yeah. that is dope. You do have some <laughs> weird proclivities when it comes to computers. Weird That's proclivities. Fair. Yep. Yeah. Just super eager and excited to be on a spaceship yeah also in treks we always say like you know how like they set up geordie in the in the encounter of farpoint they're like uh oh yeah there's like visor gives you a headache and there's no way to solve this so like through the entire show we're like remember geordie is an excruciating pain as we speak <laughs> never forget geordie has a, a mild headache at all times Ah, there's just no winning for poor Jordy. He's a man with a headache. That's <laughs> yeah. it. You know, <laughs> let's let's jump to a listener call in. And yeah. Yeah. We have several calls tonight and Mariah returning to the open Pike night stage. Let's hear what she's got. Hi, open Pike night. It's Mariah. This is my third attempt at recording this because the first attempt was mostly incoherent screaming about how excited I am. Uh, the second attempt, I went on a long rant about how Babs is an amazing actor, and I feel like I saw so much backstory in just his face. And I stand by that, but it didn't need a whole minute and 30 seconds to say that. Okay. Uh, but I do want to spend some time talking about the incredible on-screen chemistry between Chapel and Mbenga this whole time. It just came to life. I feel like I could picture the emotional backstory. I could picture what they've been through together, even though we don't have a lot of the details. And I am so riveted to this relationship in a way that I didn't even know I cared about until this moment. And I really care about it now. I can't let everybody go without talking about La'an drinking a Klingon under the table. Chef's kiss. That was excellent. I'm not sure about the cinematography. The handheld camera, the spinning, the inside the transporter beam. It felt like there were too many ideas of like, ooh, we can do fun things. And I'm a little bit worried that it's all going to feel a little bit like a jumble because this felt a little bit like a jumble. Other than that, oh, I'm so excited. All right. Mariah bringing a handful of topics to the open pike night <laughs> stage. Uh, we have... I'm just going to say it. We have a lot of people who talk about Mbenga and Chapel tonight, so mm -hmm. we're going to let some of those calls build up, but I, uh, I okay. figured it's a good time to talk a little bit about meeting back up with La'an on the planet after she left the ship last season. So what do you, you guys think about that? Well, I mean, this episode definitely, it's, it's ambitious. It's doing a lot. That's going to be a theme in my comments from here on out is the ambition, but yeah, I definitely felt like, all right, this is a loose end from last season. We got to tie up and 
I don't know, they tie it up. I had kind of wondered personally, like, are they going to put La'an in fewer episodes? Like, is she not going to come back till episode three? Are they going to mm. save her for a deus ex machina moment or something? So I, mm. I, to your point, Cam, they wrapped it up and I am so glad that they did because I, we talk a lot about loving the character serialization despite the episodic structure. And I really feel like they nailed that with this episode in particular, like everything that they told me would matter in the recap mattered in the episode. And then they tied mm. up a bunch of threads and set up a bunch of new ones. And I honestly think that to the point of Veronica having this be her first episode, I think this is a great first episode for somebody to watch of Strange New Worlds because I do think it is a ton of fun. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Veronica, what mm-hmm. did you what did you think with with them meeting, going down to meet Lon on the planet? Like, how did you get enough from her part of the storyline to understand what was up? Honestly, not that much. But when I researched her, I'm like, okay relative of the con so i'm like okay this is where we add this character is important and so i was immediately paying a hell of a lot more attention also she drank that whole bunch of you know <laughs> shit without like throwing up and i was like okay 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 this is <laughs> this is cool this this is my girl so that's where i'm at pers- uh, personally but i was like well if spock who's going clearly through what i would call a dark night of the soul because mm-hmm. like he's just going through this like tunnel of like uh reconciling the fact that he's uh has a rush of emotions which immediately makes me crazy to watch the entire season immediately asap um <laughs> so if if within this like flurry he's like oh please don't captain don't please don't leave me as like Please, please don't do this. This is not the time. I'm clearly fucking hard for this other nurse. Like, this something is up. Sorry. You're good. Right. No, 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 you're good. Not PC, we mark right? as explicit. Yes. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, We're okay, a stand-up okay. comedy theme podcast. Sorry, 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 sorry. I just no. need to, like... Uh, uh, so, so he, if he's like, let's steal this shit, let's steal, let's go, like, it, just the fact that everyone's gathered around being like, it could be her. She mm. could need us. It's enough for me to be like, okay, this is a series regular. It's like an important character. Clearly she's in the recap. So yeah, it seemed like an important character. And I feel that like they're just setting it up for during this next, the rest of the season for it to be like a story that develops. So I didn't feel like it was lacking. Okay. I just felt like they focused on what they needed to focus on. And it was ambition. It feels like they're tying knots from the previous season and setting up this next season. It's a lot mm-hmm. to, to always like season two, episode one, right? It's a little like, okay, there's a <laughs> lot that like they has to be achieved, like checked in order to like set everyone mm-hmm. up for the, the rest of the season. And I feel like they did it nicely. Um, I, I was enjoying the shit out of it, honestly. I don't know. What it you makes guys- you want to mo- know more. That's good. That's yeah. a good place to leave you. Yeah. I do like that, like you said, she is the descendant of an augment. So I wonder. It probably gives her an advantage in handling her alcohol around Klingons. Mm, like maybe I, it's mm. I, it might be a little bit of an edge there. Probably nothing too crazy. But yeah, like you mentioned, Spock and his emotional state, his immediate first reaction. This is you know a guy that we know to be supposedly super logical. First right. thing, steal the ship. Or do, we're like not even a convincing him to steal the ship because. Mm-hmm. He just had an encounter with Captain Pike where Captain Pike said, I have faith in you. 
And then he asked himself, you can see on Ethan Peck's face him asking himself, what would Captain Pike do in this Mm. moment? He would probably just break the rules and deal with it later. So Mm. it's like, for me, there was a direct emotional line from him being like, I can't do this, to Pike going, yes, you can, to him going, then this is what I should do. Because he has faith in me, and my body is telling me to do this thing, so that must be the right thing to do. I loved that whole interaction. The whole group scene or the the Pike and Spock scene? Well, both, but the group scene especially. But in the group (laughs) scene, I loved it because you could see Ortega's, like, you could see on her face when they said, so you're going to disobey the Admiral? She made a face like, I do that all the time. Like, (laughs) we should totally disobey the Admiral. (laughs) Yeah. For, for like, I feel like for context, that group scene where all of us sitting together, Veronica, we haven't Mm -hmm. seen a scene like quite like that before where it's just... All right, yeah. we're all going to hang out and and chat, not hang out for a war council or a, mm-hmm. you know a plan or something. Or yeah, it actually reminded me of uh, one of the scenes from the comic. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We're deciding to to disobey the the admiral. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. That was my first bump. Was like I went we we went from Spock questioning his ability to command the Enterprise to stealing the Enterprise <laughs> in the cold open. I, I know we got a lot of stuff to do. I know we got those star checks to box uh, yeah. check off. Uh, I tried. <laughs> I swung and missed. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I, I, I didn't buy it. Yeah. I, I wanted more motivation. Maybe if Chapel were the one missing, I would have bought it. Yeah. But. He's proving that he is not capable of commanding the Enterprise. As you know, <laughs> yeah. you do badly at a job one time, you never have to do it again. So, yep. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Speaking of dealing with his stress, yeah. we do have a good, good, really in-depth call about uh, managing Spock stress. Here we go. Okay. Hello. Hi, this is Patrick, uh, Dan, and Jesse from the It's Got Star Trek podcast. My name is Dan. My name's Jesse. <laughs> Look at me. All right. <laughs> Quit uh, All right. Tonight, Dan, Dan has a question for, for the whole Open Pike Night crew. Mm regarding the uh, very first episode of season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Would you consider the instrument (laughs) that Spock was given by Dr. Mbenga Mm. to be a Vulcan loot or a Vulcan liar? Loot or liar, what say you? (laughs) It's a Vulcan liar. Well, that's why we're asking them. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You said it was a loot at first. No, I didn't. Well, you'll have to listen to well, find out. I suppose it's, oh, shoot, it's, it's on ta- record. It's tacky to advertise <laughs> yeah. for your own podcast. No, oh, fun. I thought you were saying they would have to listen to the Open Pike Night to find out. Oh, yes, they will have to listen to Open Pike Night to find out. But now we know that you were secretly trying to advertise No, that's what podcast. Jesse was saying. Or no, that's what I was saying. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> well, the right. long and the short of it, this is a debate. That listen has, to the Open Pike this Night. This is a debate among us, among a we three here that has uh, remains we. unresolved. As to whether or not it was a Vulcan loot or a Vulcan liar. We think it's called a Vulcan liar, but it looks more like a loot. But even that's complicated because websites have let us I down. I think it looks like a liar. We're trying to look this up. But anyway, that's our question. Do you do you have any opinions? I thought Jesse said loot earlier. Loot or liar. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye-bye. I think you're full of shit. <laughs> Sounds like a party game. Loot or liar. <laughs> I was going to say, like... It's a new segment, loot or liar. Yes. Um, I, it's perhaps unsurprisingly, am going to agree with Jesse. I think it is a, a liar. I, I think it's a, specifically, because doesn't a loot have a, uh, a bulbous, like, round bottom part? Isn't that what, isn't that what Worf smashed because he was not a merry man? I'm, uh, that was what Worf <laughs> smashed. I'm pretty sure that was a loot. They say a loot. 
They say a loot. In, I've always called it a Vulcan loot, but I've said that uh, yeah. knowing that you know I might be being horribly culturally insensitive by calling it a loot. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, because it's a liar, I'm pretty I sure. I am not a merry man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Worf, is that you? Far be it for me to question the validity of a memory alpha entry um but i i really do i think it's a i think it's a liar and i gotta say um it's not tacky to advertise your own podcast in your call to open pike night that's part of the joy that's of literally of what you're supposed pike to do night. yeah, yeah that, that way you, you know we share the audience we all that's how we are lure trekkies you in and we yes. love trekkies yes. so yeah um and you know Tricks in the city. Listen to Tricks in the city, not the other one. <laughs> Bingo. Got it. See, it's not tacky. Yeah. It's normal. I'm gonna I'm gonna just go to throw a wrench and say it's a Vulcan lap harp uh, because ooh, lap harp ooh. sounds funny. Um, I do. <laughs> I have a bulbous lap harp. I'm yeah. So sorry. Oh, I thought it was a ukulele. Not I thought it was a Vulcan ukulele. Yeah. Ooh, ukulele. That's a good one. <laughs> this is why I'm not a in the writer's room in the show. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I was just missing the shot where Spock all of a sudden vanished because he was sitting in the chair that Mbenga had somebody else sitting in who would, you know, periodically transport away on a timer. <laughs> <laughs> like forgot to turn off the transport buffer from oh, season yeah. one. I'm just like surprised like how he has time. Like, listen, if I'm having one of those days where all my emotions are surfacing. Mm -hmm. I, I'd be I'd be having zero time to like have a meeting, seal the ship, go drink, play the <laughs> play the you know Volkelele, and I'm just like, how did he manage? If I have too many feelings, I need to just like sit in stasis on my couch, like. Uh... <laughs> Maybe it's possible that he was on the same battle meth that Mbenga oh, yeah. and Chapel were on oh, later. True, yeah. true. Listen, that battle meth looked like ADD. Gold. I was like, <laughs> could I? Yeah. For could real. I? The focus goes Where? way up. <laughs> if my it's eyes just, could go. It's just called Adderall 3 or something at that point. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I will write a hundred funny jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Lo I love the the liar say. I love the uh, the introduction of Volk's Volk Volk Lele. Lele, Yep. Um, also, like, I mean, how many times do you get a chance as a writer to have like a diegetic, basically record scratch in your scene? Yeah. There's a little film nerd humor for you, but yep. uh, yeah, I mean, that, I thought that whole, was whole great with the the levels. It was it was a great visualization for yeah. uh, Spock's. I and I do agree with you. State. Yeah. Cameron, do you mind? Do you, can I call you Cam? Because I'm like. <laughs> Well, in what moment was he going from like scared little bird, like no, please don't leave me alone. Too many feelings for my own little teenage heart, and then suddenly he's like, "Yeah, let's fucking steal the shit." Like, like. <laughs> it's when his dad said, We're "Stealing the shit." It's when his dad said, "I trust you with this house, and it better daddy, still be standing when I get back." And then he saw he, the keys on. <laughs> he idolizes Captain. It's when daddy then he gave the keys. <laughs> to Spock and that's he's like right. no 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 I can't take them and the it's second like, no parties yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right facts this is what this is what happened okay oh, I get it I, you know what I can get behind that part <laughs> you know funny enough I didn't know that this season you know I didn't know that this group scene was like unusual hmm. for this specific show but I felt it like when I saw it I was like what is this location 
Spock standing there and it's like the whole cast and like all the series regulars basically except for you know we know like there's someone off planet like there's mm -hmm. someone downstairs somewhere and then there's <laughs> like Pike just bounced to go you know take care of like first officer so we know three cast members are not there but mm -hmm. otherwise it feels like that's the first time I saw everyone on the mm -hmm. show so it did it felt special i knew there was something like a standout about that scene i just couldn't put my finger on it it feels really so. tng it feels like a conference room scene where they would all yeah. be in one room talking to each other usually strange new worlds is like pike and someone across his desk so yeah, right. it's like yeah. this was a i loved this scene and i guess one more parallel with spock's music it's interesting that he chose music uh, as therapy so readily at Mbenga's suggestion, of course, but we know that he saw Captain Angel use music as therapy in the first season. So mm. that's something that he was able to carry along. I'm glad you brought that up, Jesse, because there is a tiny moment in the scene when he's in his quarters playing the music and Uhura, you know, knocks on the door and comes in. She says, did I hear music? Now, remember, when he went to Captain Angel's quarters, it was like so like she was rocking music yeah. and you could kind of hear it through the door. I think that was them trying to be like, yeah, this is Uhura. She can hear everything. And so she's like <laughs> hearing gentle strings being plucked through through the door. That's a good point. I, did, I wouldn't have like, even picked up on that. So this episode, uh, I, I'm curious, like, how did you feel about it? Did you feel that this was like a exciting to you like knowing what happened in season i'm only bummed that if season one had any setup that a character may die or never come back it th those are spoiler alert like I, it's already mm. been spoiled but mm. i also kind of don't believe those m that much and i mean well tasha yar taught us a rough lesson <laughs> yeah and it might all just that happen all that i will say to you and anyone listening okay. is that is an Excellent parallel to draw. Yes. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh mm -hmm. no. <laughs> no, but I'm I think scared. That's, that's, that question is a good segue, I think, to our next caller, yeah. right? Armis. How did we feel? How did we feel? Let's hear from Tessa and then we'll talk about how we felt about the episode. Uh, you know what? When I first got into Star Trek, my dad told me that when he was growing up, he would stay up way past his bedtime to watch TNG. And at the time, I was like, that is the most nerdy shit. What the fuck? But it is almost 2 a.m. And I am recording my call-in. Yes. So I guess that type of nerd shit runs in the family. That was a weird first episode. It was very Trek. It felt a lot like the alternate original series movies. It felt a lot like Discovery. It did mm. not feel a lot like Strange New Worlds. I really enjoyed the first half of the episode. I thought it was really fun to see the crew be a crew and a family together. I think it was a weird choice for episode one of season two with a lot of weird design choices with lighting and flashing and camera movement. And for a show that's been so upbeat and about hope, it was weird to have the like basically second introduction of these characters be war and be so dark i really hope that episode two is better because i didn't hate this episode but i would not say it's as good as any of the episodes in season one for me love you guys bye 
All right, Tessa, thank you. And I think it's I think it's very appropriate that you brought up the original movies because this episode to me felt very cinematic. It felt like it was trying to be a movie, and that's partly because it's homaging a lot of the biggest movies. We've mm-hmm. got stealing the Enterprise from Search for Spock. We've got sabotaging Klingon peace from Undiscovered Country. We've got Raiders of the Lost Ark. We've got some Return of the Jedi in there, like to the point that they're like directly referencing these huge movies. And just the plot feels big. Those moments feel like they belong in a big theatrical setting. And but it's all being compressed into basically a TV show running time and budget and so a lot of that didn't work for me. Again, I think this was a very ambitious episode. I think there's a lot to like in it, and they did check a lot of boxes, but I, I think they did bite off a little too much with it for me. So may I ask, what is the what is the standard aesthetic? Because I'm trying to look for it here, but might as well just like describe it to me. Because it seems like they put a little like, uh, they were like, oh, season season you know beginning let's just inject a little more budget into like the lens flares or whatever <laughs> sure yeah there's some of that for sure yep um and the, the the aesthetic is very you know we're trying to look kind of neo 60s ish like neo original mm-hmm. series and it works very well and it's it's brighter show than discovery it's a brighter show than picard it's a brighter show than ds9 so the amount of it's it's not like it's a it's not like they won't tackle heavy subjects, but this is a really heavy episode. I see. Or it okay. Gets, yeah. It okay. gets heavy. Usually, their heavy subject tackling takes place like in broad daylight in a yeah. gorgeous city on a yeah. on some kind of okay. planet or something. On a floating paradise city. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This this is like oh, gritty is new for this. They were yeah. dealing with PTS, and mm-hmm. and I was like, fuck. Is this like Discovery? It, that was so the right. moment ah. where mm. where uh, Chapel, I believe, the nurse is like, "Hey, are you okay?" Like, and he's like, "I'm not gonna say this is not bring this is not giving me flashbacks to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this past shit." I'm like, oh, "Is this as heavy as Discovery?" Because Discovery is dark, and there's a point where like vibrationally, I cannot take it. Just mm-hmm. like, um, I'll, I'll I'll rather watch. Worf be mad at being a merry man any day like i, I like the, the silliness sometimes i just prefer it or like a straight like diplom diplomacy episode mm-hmm. i'll be like blah 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 yeah but i'll watch it uh, happily yeah. versus like heavy pts heavy war heavy like anything that's like too intensely like dark um sometimes i just don't have the the space for that you know yeah. um sure. and so i was wondering at that point is this show a little dark. I would say this is comparable to the darkness from the first I mean, season. Yeah, yeah Lawns had some. Yeah, Lawns had some stuff. And then episode six in the first season, there's no other way to say it. It's a dark episode. And it's also visually bright. Like, it's still yeah. very easy to look at. Um, but within an episode, like like with this one, it, it never gets as pervasively dark as Discovery yes, does. right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. You have post-traumatic stress syndrome, but you've also got... Uh, Spock is drinking a Klingon under the table. Right. Maybe not. Well, and you know, you get the, you get the light and the dark. Well, yeah. and for me, this was definitely kind of just answering more promises from the first season because we were told in the first season, hey, this character has a very traumatic history. And it's like, cool, you know, but mm-hmm. maybe show that to us instead of just telling it to us. And they do do that here. And I, I really personally love this additional layer for Mbenga because. I was going into this season going, 
I feel like they're going to need him to be thinking about some stuff from season one a lot. I don't want to spoil it for you, Veronica. (laughs) Um, But he's going to be like so focused on all this season one stuff. Right. And they're like, no, he's a multi-layered individual and he's got a lot of stuff on his plate. Just like all of these people have a lot of stuff on their plate. Yeah. And I agree with Tessa that it did feel a lot like uh, the older Star Treks. And that's definitely something I liked about it. Having some Cold War tension is very Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and for me, the only part that I don't really understand of Tessa's comment is that it didn't feel like Strange New Worlds because Strange New Worlds to me has always felt like just pieces of other Star Treks with a mm. great package, right? Like mm-hmm. it's all about doing things we've already done in Star Trek. Now, if you're not into those storylines, that makes total sense. Like, but I feel. For me, I felt like it was Strange New Worlds because it was such an homage to so many different kinds of Trek. I just say real quick, it's probably fair to say this doesn't feel Strange New Worlds simply because Pike's only in two minutes right. of it. Sure. And, and yeah. that, that's a fair comment with that perspective. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I will say yeah, like the first 16 minutes definitely feel Strange New Worlds and are absolutely my favorite part of the episode. And, you know, it's the episode is it does this shape and it comes back at the end yeah. too. And I really enjoy yeah. it. It's like, yeah, okay. It's, they tried some stuff in the middle and it's not something we've, we've seen before, but. And I think it speaks to that ambition that was yeah. mentioned earlier. Cause they exactly. were like, we can get away with not having Pike in this episode. And I think yeah. they do. Right. How about, I would like the ship to go now <laughs> well that you are like setting up the next calls yeah. perfectly are you reading the outline i don't i think i'm just a instinctive absolutely <laughs> well let's hear from Almost our like next you've uh, been on over a hundred episodes of star trek i podcast. might yeah. be i might be uh uh troy you know it, honestly <laughs> well let's hear from our next caller and talk about uh go lines open pike night this is commander zoe richardson Acting captain of the USS Cinema, host of Backlick Cinema, the podcast. I just wanted to report that I've just watched the first episode of the new season of Strange New Worlds. I love the deepening of the relationship between a character, especially between Mbanga and Nurse Chapel. I also enjoy the more emotional. Mr. Spock, and the introduction of what I presume will be the new chief engineer. I am eager to see how that unfolds. And also that beautiful tribute to Nichelle Nichols at the end of the episode. So yeah, this this was a good thing, I think. And I wasn't asked, but um, yes, we do have a go phrase as it were, on the cinema. And around here, when we're about to go to warp, I say, let's bounce. Yeah, I know, I know. I know how it sounds. Um, We're still workshopping it, but that's what I'm going with right now. Zoe Richardson, out. Zoe, you are a true fan. Thank you for calling in. Yeah. I like Let's Bounce. Yeah. I would watch that show. <laughs> I think that should be the title of that Star Trek Series. honestly let's bounce is like that's my shit like i'd be <laughs> like warp speed five bounce <laughs> <laughs> all right well that one's taken veronica what would your go phrase be then 
I think I was with Ortega when they were like, mm-hmm. vámonos. I was like, Obi, yeah. like, yeah. let's fucking vámonos. Like, it's, but it's also, vámonos sounds like that's what Dora the Explorer says. <laughs> <laughs> vámonos, amigos. So I'd be like, okay, let me think about this. All right, the then, swipers are closing in. Then, then my Again, go phrase better. would be, can you say go to warp? And then just silently stare at the screen. That would... Uh, can you? The most passive aggressive captain. Oh. Okay, there's only so many oh. things you can say to like get something to just move, right? Mm-hmm. To go. Yeah. We know we have engage. So, mm. you know... I don't know. And I mean, that's better than Cam's impression of Picard. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got mine. I Ooh, got mine. All right. I'd be like, dale. You know, like, dale. Ooh, I like that's that. That's very, like, uh, also, like, I feel like if I go dale at the same time, I think I would have a DJ on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> this is the future. I mean, come on. It's your ship. Yeah. Absolutely. You'll have <laughs> this is your Captain Cereza. Captain Cherry sitting on the chair. Yo. I got a cool ass planet. We're gonna we're gonna steal the shit. We're gonna head to this like amazing planet. Think Rise Up, but Latino. Okay, everyone, warp speed five. Dale. Just strobing lights on the bridge. I like it. I honestly, let's craft a show like this. Yeah. <laughs> they probably like the saucer starts to shake apart if the base gets too too hard and. <laughs> Got a know, so- saucer separation is actually built in. It's yeah. yeah. Honestly, there's like a like those Uber neon lights all oh. around the Enterprise outside. <laughs> I'd be having like a fog machine in the bridge. This is this would be my ship. Every captain is their own, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Person. Yeah. But that means everyone would be trying to get uh, transferred to your ship. Yeah. Yes. I figured out which ship yeah. I want to serve on. You guys. Eric Ortega herself, Melissa Navia, did post this question on Twitter, and I had to go with and action. Oh, that's, that's a good one. I gotta like stay on brand. Yeah. Yeah. As an actress, I'd be like, yes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It would work. And everyone on in me. Starfleet is just want to be actors. So yes, I responded to the same thread, which uh, with probably what's not cool, but what I would actually probably say, which is ready, Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> As long as Queen starts playing after that, I I am there. I mean, that could work, but you know I'm deeply uncool, so. Yeah, you picked Wesley and now Ready Freddy. (laughs) Oh, I've made peace with it. Like, I can't be embarrassed more than I already have in my life. (laughs) But you identified with two cool characters, so I'm here for this. You identify with Ortega, you know, like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or you look up to. She's a very good friend of the show. We owe a lot of our uh, audience to directly to Melissa Navia. She was our first Mm -hmm. interview ever. So the reason you're here is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you were going to be cast in the show, knowing your, your, knowing your body type, like it's, it's knowing your like face, knowing what you read on camera, what do you think would be your role in what show? (laughs) <laughs> any show and Ooh, of any, any, uh, any time hmm. any star trek show any star trek show it could be tng ds9 dos discovery mm, picard okay. all right I, I would be an extra uh <laughs> <laughs> you're I mean, doing this we, to yourself yeah we have all we have all volunteered to be corpses on screen and <laughs> yeah. in strange yeah. new yeah. worlds if we could but literally oh anything. But yeah i i will say 
I think seeing when they were at at Starbase One and the dude who the high re- highly irregular dude who was giving Ortegas the nasty look, I'm like, man, that's kind of my body type, and I think that would probably, <laughs> if I got a small role, that inspector. felt like a very close role to what I would I would be offered. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. When they're like, I love the scene where everyone's like checking out the Enterprise. Yep. They're like, no, we've got this configured to our own. And we learn, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, Ortegas prefers inverted Y controls. Yes. So yes, I knew I liked her. Inverted controls. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, like, first off, I love that he, that guy stood up, pulled off glasses, which I'm guessing are like an augmented reality. Like he was looking, you know, they're, they're right. display glasses, but haven't seen that in Star Trek before. And I was like, Mm. Yeah, that uh, I would have really liked playing that little part. I'd probably play like the uh, the creepy suspected murderer on some space station that they stopped at. You're I feel Cardassian. like I get cast. Yeah, I get cast. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know if I have the neck for it, but otherwise, yeah, probably Cardassian. <laughs> no, you yeah. didn't. <laughs> you can work out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got long neck. Yeah. They, that's, isn't that how you get a longer neck? Is by working out? I don't. Yes. That's yeah. <laughs> There's got to be some special muscles to work out with yeah. this. Yeah. You know, they just they put you on the rack. Little and, cheek weights yeah. that you got to lift. Like <laughs> I don't know how you do it, how you achieve that, I like honestly. It. I would have to be in communications because I just want to be able to wear headphones. Like, I'm, I wear headphones at work sometimes. Like, I, I need to have audio input. So that's probably where I would end up. But... Mm. It, somewhere yeah. in communications but like on the bridge mm. is so much pressure <laughs> <laughs> although okay like chef on enterprise would have been fun if mm. they had mm. if they had actually given chef a role like Ooh, that would have like been a, fun you're like that guy who cuts picard's yes n- yeah, n- yeah, yeah sort the, of a moth the barber level mod. yeah exactly i, I would yeah. love going down in history with that level of role giving for Star Trek. giving unwarranted yes. advice to all yeah. the uh, command crew. honestly like, like three yeah, episodes in a show and somehow everyone knows your name it's yep. a pretty yeah pretty amazing right? i'll take it right yeah. that's a legacy right there <laughs> that is a legacy that is yeah. that is something i feel like i'd be boringly cast as like a bejoran Mm-hmm. I think I have the face for mm-hmm. being a Bajoran or a Betasoid. That's just, I just, yeah. as a photograph. Like if I see my photo, I'll be like, oh, she could just, she could be here. You know, that's where I would put mm-hmm. myself. Okay. Mm, I would love to play, I think I'd just love to be like a fucking Riker man. <laughs> that's yeah. all I want to be. <laughs> it would be cool if Riker had a, like, uh, what not a descendant an ancestor that you know really created the riker mold and he's like i'm just trying to be like grandma riker you know like i <laughs> man you have got to watch season one like <laughs> yeah i'm here I'm you're gonna, gonna call in and yeah. let yeah. us know what you think you have already caught me like this i'm like uh flying molasses i'm in it's, <laughs> it's over for me why does everybody describe being on our show like that you guys it, it's like the ninth time what, what happens it's, it's the effect you guys have here i don't know what to say <laughs> all right who we got next producer john uh next up we have abby summer returning to the open pike night stage hey hey open pike it's abby summer from the first flight podcast and whoo this was an awesome start to what i can't think would be anything other than an amazing season. Um, I know you guys are going to get plenty of calls about other stuff, so 
it's true to form, I have to call in and just geek out about the costumes for a minute because, oh, the details, the levels, all of the different grommets, all the different textures, the hoods, the boots, like this was a costume nerd's dream. And I have to say it was made even better by uh, looking at Celia Gooding's Twitter and seeing her post some fun behind-the-scenes pictures of hers in her outfit. And she's got a little pouch pocket, and she said she kept snacks in it, which is probably the coolest thing that I've ever heard and makes me love her even more. So I am so excited about this. The costuming made me so happy. This script made me happy. Everything made me happy. Bring on next week. And you guys keep doing the great job that you're doing because I give a little squeal of happiness every time I see Open Pike drop in my feed. Be well. Oh, thank you very much, Abby. And yeah, yeah. we had costumes galore in this episode. Oh, man. 100%. <laughs> costumes are great. I mean, you said it all, Abby. I can't add to that. It's yeah, Grommets. Grommets. In a piece of, you know, fun Trek lore, I think that the hood that La'an is wearing is the hood that Giorgio was wearing in, I think, maybe season two or three of Discovery. Oh, shit. Um, it's cool. It's got that, like, giant thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, reusing sets, reusing costumes. I'm here but, for yeah, that. But yeah, I just... And, and I think we no- mentioned this last episode, but Bernadette Croft is up for uh, Costume Design mm. Emmy uh, this season for season one because of Excellent. when it was released Excellent. or something yeah. like that. So definitely support that campaign on Instagram. And same for, I, I worked in Strange Angel at CBS uh, and at Paramount Plus. Uh, I worked with uh, J.R. McKinnon, who's like one of the original prosthetic makers uh, from TNG. And now on his Instagram, he's like, please vote for Star Trek Picard. And he has like, an amazing costume that he created. So uh, like a costume that's just all makeup prosthetics. So um, it looked complex. And I'm like, yeah, let's vote for my man. He cool. Like (laughs) I was the only one on my cast dorking out about Star Trek, which was unusual. (laughs) This might be the first year where Star Trek with five different shows could like sweep the Emmys. That would be so cool. (laughs) That would be awesome. That would be really dope. Can I tell you something? Yeah. So the last time I I checked the Gorn was a fashionable golden dressed lizard, like red carpet, just dinosaur lizard thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who's just standing there like blah, blah, blah. And so in Treks in the City, uh, we did a special episode for... um, what was it? Uh, the Inner Light. Okay. TNG mm-hmm. Season 5, Episode 25. And so Alice, my co-host, created a song for Gorn that it, that was like based off, off of Torn. So it's like, um, <laughs> uh, nothing's fine, I'm Gorn. I'm all out of faith. This is how I feel. I'm cold and I am scaled. Lists are laying on the floor. So um, there's more. You might get a chance to dust that off again if you watch season one of Strange New Worlds. Okay, I'm ready for that because <laughs> that Gorn, uh, I think this is the villain that we have made the most amount of fun of in all of the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to see that it return as a serious threat, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Gorn, you've come a long way because... <laughs> Last I checked, you were standing on a rock with a golden dress. Yes. I I will say, you've come a long way, baby, would be a very appropriate uh, line to say about Gorn. I just, 
I just think it's so funny that they decided to revive the one villain mm. that we have laughed and laughed at so <laughs> much. I honestly I think mean, that's why they picked it. They were like, yeah. they're like, what's the greatest challenge? I think would be to make this species a serious threat. And, it, and right. I think that's and why And bravo they did it. for a Natalie and Brulia callback. Like, Seriously. <laughs> Extremely curious about this Gorn. Uh, oh, decision. Man. That's what I'm gonna do tonight. I'm gonna watch fucking Strange New Worlds and get into this Gorn bullshit. Yes, yes. <laughs> Where do you expect this season to to go? Like, what what is it that you would want out of this season? I am known as the fanboy here. I I'll take whatever they give me. Um, what I want is more of this, and I am. Happy to report that episode runtimes this season are longer than they were in season one, and mm -hmm. that makes me very happy. See, and with that, like, I don't know why they didn't just make this uh, season two pilot, like, uh, or a movie or premiere, a full length, yeah, yeah, an hour and a half. Just make it an. I think with an extra twenty minutes, this episode would have like been perfect for me. It, it just needed a little, little more room to develop what they were doing in some parts. That might be the first time I've ever heard you say you thought something needed to be longer, Cameron. So I'm going to well, take that I mean, as a good sign. This is sign. a big story. That yeah, yeah, this is a really solid Star Trek movie idea crammed mm -hmm. into 52 minutes. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, actually one of our original callers has something to say about that. Hi, this is Peter again. Overall, I enjoyed the season premiere episode. It was a good development story for Spock and Benga and Chapel. Spock in Command reminded me of one of my favorite TOS episodes, the Galileo 7, in which Spock was in mm. command of a maroon shuttlecraft. Here, he showed his developing leadership skills, which included making the decision to not follow Starfleet's orders and instead steal the Enterprise to rescue La'an. One of my favorite parts was the introduction of Carol Kane's Commander Pelia. I haven't seen her previous TV shows or films, so I wasn't sure what to expect. After her first scene on the bridge in which she helped Spock, I started to like her. Her character is intriguing and mysterious and reminded me a little bit of Guinan. I look forward to seeing her in future episodes. Mbenga and Chapel also had some good scenes, although I wasn't a big fan of the super serum and the subsequent fighting scenes, which in my opinion lasted too long. I also like the origin story of Spock's Vulcan Liar and the dedication to Nichelle Nichols at the end of the episode. Overall, I thought it was a good start to the season, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts about this episode. Thanks, and live long and prosper. Thank you once again, Peter. And, I mean, he brings up a lot of good points, but I think we're at the point of talking about battle meth. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh, and now uh -huh. we feel about uh, taking drugs to get in fights, because that is probably the most divisive scene of this whole episode. I surprise had no problem with it <laughs> partially because I have I've seen Kirk fight Klingons and thought to myself shouldn't he not have a chance like at all against the Klingon and and I get it you know canon is fluid and I'm always the one to say like I don't really care if they stick to canon as long as they tell me a good story so for me it was it almost felt like they knew, okay, Chapel and Mbenga need to fight their way through some Klingons. How can we make that work? It, it has to be some kind of augment thing, right? Mm. And I personally feel that it fits with 
chapel because she's like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. Like, why do you still have this on you, man? I thought you were past this. But she's an expert at genetics, right? She did Mm -hmm. the temporary genetic manipulation in season one. Like, that's what her science is about. So I feel like it really added for me to their backstory, to Chapel and Mbenga, to have him just pull a vial out, her know what it is immediately, and she immediately deduced his plan. What and if it, she's like, the one who made it? Right. Oh, because she definitely has some like, dude, do you always have this with you? Like that really almost felt guilty yeah. as yeah. well as guilting, right? Mm. It's like the space doctor version of sleeping with a gun under your pillow. Right. And, <laughs> and I got to say, for me... Babs sells this entire sequence like it's his Uh-oh. acting that is that so gets amazing. me there because I'm He's like got some looks yeah it, like the haunted the the depth the I, there's yeah. so much to it that I was like I'm I'm so ready for this Jess Bush also sells this Seriously. Like, she plays scared so like it, she was fine season one I mean I never had a problem with Jess Bush in season one but like it's a whole nother level in this scene yeah. I'm here for her yeah. hard agree yeah yeah so the only two actors that I immediately Googled after the show, well, I already had Googled the shit out of Ethan Peck, of course, uh, but <laughs> sure, like we all have yeah. and Anson Mount, like, you know, when they were introduced initially in the universe, but it was Babs. And cause I was like, oh my God, who is this guy with these eyes? Like, what is this? intensity of being that's behind <laughs> these eyes i was just so i take i was taken by by this person and then of course carol kane as pilia because i was <laughs> like this is me this is me <laughs> i need this character more is she going to be the new engineer a pelia prequel just taking place throughout the history of earth the first note that i wrote down because the first time I watched the episode, I couldn't write notes. I was just, uh. but the first note that I wrote down was Carol Kane is playing a science witch, and I am so happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, yeah, she's just perfect. Like that's me. Mm-hmm. I'm like science witch. As soon as they announced her, I told my wife, who is not a Trekkie, I was like, "Hey, guess who's <laughs> going to be in season two? And she went, "No way." So like, I, yeah. I really feel this is a. To your point from earlier, Veronica, this is another just absolute casting home run. I love Pelia. Amazing. Yeah. And she's like if the uh, Renfair merchant became a starship yes. engineer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So happy birthday because uh, actually Carol Kane's birthday is June 18th. Oh. Oh. All right. Very happy cool. Birthday, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. Thank a Gemini, you. A Gemini witch, as, as we all are. <laughs> like, that's just how it... <laughs> Uh, so, so to your point about Babs just being great, like he's one of the few people who could say a line like resurrect this theater of war and, and make it sound natural and just roll off the tongue. Yeah. Um, but so here's my problem with the with the battle meth scene is is like one. Yeah, we get introduced to this very MacGuffin-y like serum all of a sudden. And he says, if we have to, we can use this. And literally two lines later, they are shooting up. Like, do you have to at this point? You guys have already accidentally snuck onto the super secret spaceship disguised as just civilian medics. Like, you guys are in. I just, I would have much rather seen them bamboozle their way through the ship, like send off the the SOS. And then maybe at that point, like the Klingons are barreling in on them. They're like, oh shit, now we have to. Now it's a do or die moment. It just didn't feel necessary it's felt i didn't really understand what was going on and then 
the fight scene is not great. It felt a little under budget. Like, yeah, it kept going. I'd be like, OK, they're going to ramp it up. But it never felt like it ramped up. It was all like it was a bunch of like slow motion high school wrestling moves. Like the big final move is like he picks up a guy from behind and throws, throws him, him on the ground. Suplexes him. And yeah. I was like, oh, I, it felt like they were like really under the wire to film the scene. Yeah. How do you feel about the Klingons? How do you feel about the the? <gasps> I don't know if the Klingons have shown up here before, but it's the first time I see Klingons on this specific show, and I was like. Okay, I'm here. I'm here for this because, you know, Discovery, what they did. So I know how you feel about Discovery. Like we've talked about this probably here on this podcast. Well, you could probably guess which one of us loved them and didn't. Yeah. Y'all made a face. (laughs) I'm all for changing how aliens look. I don't care. But I I personally love these Klingons and definitely got the nostalgia vibe off of it because it was like these look like they're on TNG. Like. Yeah. Yes. I mean, th- th- so this is the big like reveal of Strange New Worlds Klingons. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen them on Strange New Worlds. And yeah, I, I love it. I think they look great. I was not a fan of Discovery Klingons. So I'm I'm here for them. This feels like updated. The old school. Klingon only additional Discovery Klingon point I will make for you, Cameron, is that, yes, that is what becomes necessary. The Vulcan hello is the only way to deal with a <laughs> ship full of Klingons that wants you dead. I... Wasn't sure about the Discovery Klingons at first, but I think I really liked what they did with them more so that I was like, I I don't care how they look. These Klingons are actually super compelling in Discovery by the time their story developed. Uh, it was I do like that they went back to kind of um, I'd call this undiscovered country era Klingons, not so yeah. much fully TNG. I like it. And uh, actually, so did our next caller. Captain Island from Check Time here. Uh, very much a fan of the Klingons, you know, the renegade Klingons. We also had the honorable Klingons and especially the captain. Oh, my gosh. I want to see that captain again. Yes. What is his name? Who is playing him? It was nearly J.G. Hertzler, but clearly wasn't. I also quite liked Pelia. Pelia was great fun when she sort of emerged on the bridge to say, like, I know you're not stealing a ship. No, you are merely <laughs> fooling me. Are you not? And, you know, she comes out and she's this new race of being that have been hiding a lot hiding among humans for the last 200 years and her coming out to amanda was almost a trans allegory which was great you know i think that's something that needs exploring more wasn't as keen on how much they're rushing spock and chapel i wonder what kind of traumatic event they are going to do to sort of wrap themselves around to the tos era where spock is like no i have no interest in this woman get away from me and there was also you know, he has the issue of T'Pring in the background, which, yes, has been established that maybe this is a a, a burgeoning uh, threesome. However, uh, you know, it, it is something to watch for the future. We shall see. I expect I'm very much looking forward to next week with the trial of Una and seeing what this amazing lawyer or person that is going to slam the door in the face of Pike. Who would do that to Anson Mount? Not me. I would welcome him in. And make things uncomfortable for the both of us. Anyway, I'm very excited to see where this leads. Let's fly. Captain Idol, once again, no poetry or song this time, but uh, definitely some excellent points. Man, just classing Mm -hmm. up the joint. (laughs) Can I tell you about the Klingons? Yeah. Yes, please. I was pretty surprised to have found the old-timey look. I was like, yes. I was like, yas. 
But I just needed the female Klingon to have a hole uh. right here. Yeah. Why we don't have? Mm, why yeah. we go back? But no, no hole. The yeah, vulnerable. No, Dur- no Dura sisters tops. Yeah. Dura sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Maybe she hasn't earned mm-hmm. it yet. Maybe it's a thing you earn in battle. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't need chest armor. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that does seem very Klingon to be like, I'm actually going to wear less protective gear. Girl, what are you hiding? Like, come on. Let's see it. Let's see it. <laughs> she got like, a tattoo uh, uh, by an Andorian and she doesn't want anyone to see it. But like, but like, show me that. Show me the chest. I'm, that's all I care about with the Klingon females. I'm just like, because... Because originally I was like, this misogynistic fucking costume design where like Klingon females <laughs> mm-hmm. have literally the most vulnerable, potentially deadly part of their bodies exposed. But then I'm like, but we got, but we, but it was nice. It was maybe, nice to look at. <laughs> maybe by the end of the Strange New World's Klingon stories, there will be a hand-to-hand fight with a female Klingon warrior and her uniform will get ripped. And expose the the keyhole and it will distract her enemy and she will slay him and it will become like, this is legend. And Bernadette Croft, Bernadette Croft will have a cameo as a Klingon designer. Yeah. I like it. We're we're doing this for the whole fleet from now on. Yep. Now, okay. I had an actual epiphany while Captain Idol was talking, John, sort of along your lines of here's how this will go. Uh, clearly what is going to definitely happen, and this is not based on any episodes that we have seen. You know we've seen the first six. This is based 100% on what Captain Idol just said. What if Captain Angel comes back and knows this time the way to get to Spock isn't to go mess with T'Pring. It's to mess with Chapel. Mm, And then Spock realizes, oh, my emotions can actually put the people that I care about at risk gonna shut that right down like mm. that seems Ooh. like a very spock thing to do to me i have a probably level two goosebump right now which i think means it might happen <laughs> two out of ten what what are the goosebump <laughs> oh, levels yes. oh, here? Okay. question bring me in bring me into your yeah. goosebump scale <laughs> it was totally off the cuff but i would i was going out of five i think because okay. like okay, five okay. would be like you know hair on the back of your neck goosebumps everywhere this was just my ghost arm. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay. How many goosebumps in uh, a patch of goose flesh? <laughs> yeah. This is well, just, you know, oh, across the pond, I believe they call them goose pimples. So, I, you know, I oh, want to yeah. make an attempt to speak this true, Captain the Idol? correct language here for this. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, according to the outline, I believe we're supposed to be talking about Pelia now. So I do want to talk about <laughs> yes. Pelia because... Oh my God. Is she so horny to steal this ship? Oh yeah. I have paid... Four ninety nine a minute to have people talk to me in that tone of voice. <laughs> Everybody is like she... horny this whole episode. I don't know if you yes, notice. Yeah. Like <laughs> everyone is horny in Star Trek all of the time. This all is the, yes. the only this reason I watch this show. This is the only reason I'm in this fandom. I only care about the level of horniness that everyone low key and high key is always showing at any time. Okay, Veronica, Strange New Worlds is the Star it, Trek it's for you. So yeah. horny. This show is wonderfully horny. I yes. am literally the only the, like. This is like how do you attract like a Latina girly girl fan girl into a Star Trek universe? 
you sit her down and you watch Strange New Worlds with her. <laughs> it's a horniness. Well, Veronica, we are going to have a ranking the top 10 butts of Star Trek episode one we day. Are. So you have to call yes. us yeah. for that. I yes. need to. I'll be upset with you all if you don't yeah. invite me to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was started as a joke last episode. And it's like, no, this is actually probably an episode we have to do now is the best Honestly? butts of Star Trek. So, yep. So can I tell you more about Klingons? Sorry, but it's just yeah. like I, I do. Please. I know I, I, I realize my neurodivergent ways, but it's it's this is the thing with this with discovery. This is what I always thought as a as a person who comes from a different country, right? Where like alien races in Star Trek are off often portraying in the past where Star Trek was like a mm-hmm. caveman Star Trek TOS. Mm-hmm. They're kind of hints at racial groups, which is not mm-hmm. great. Not great. We've evolved mm-hmm. far past that, but mm-hmm. it was what it was, you know, because it kind of you can kind of map it and, and figure that out. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking like Klingons, but in reality, Klingons are the type of, of race or, or like alien race that was like, your Federation bullshit is bullshit and we are a war race and this is how we do our thing. Do not impose your like peace and love uniform bullshit on us. And in general, Alice and I make this point that Star Trek and the Federation tend to be very like Federation centric. So like Mm -hmm. we are correct. We are bringing the peace. We like so and sometimes like there's native indigenous races that are like, no, this is not our way, and it mm. simply won't ever be. So in Discovery, I can kind of get behind the point where, like, Klingons are only speaking in Klingon, and they look different, and they're, like, distinguishably different. They're not humanoid as much. They're, they look more like it's their own biology, almost. Yeah. To be more like, no. We shall not be like Federation washed, like a whitewashed, you know, by like the Federation <laughs> mm-hmm. in our race. Remain Klingon. Mm-hmm. Yes, we'll remain Klingon. So as a as someone who comes from like, I am a descendant of like an indigenous group and also from my ancestors are black and also Spanish. So like I have all the like kind of like the colonization merger Mm -hmm. in me Mm -hmm. i am like yes more of this you know i kind of identify with this like rebellion and making the klingons radically different on discovery i was like i was juiced up about about uh slapping the federation in the face about being too correct about everything and radicalizing that a little bit but Seeing the old timey Klingons is nice, and when they were <laughs> and when they were fighting like this, I was like, "Those prosthetics yeah. are gonna fall." Like, yeah. In the fights, I was like, "These like forehead things You're are gonna, gonna like, fly off. out." That would have been amazing if you'd seen a Mabenga on the battle map, just like rip a forehead off. <laughs> Now, he did do a double ear clap now because yeah, they have four eardrums. What does that mean? Are Ooh. they like, that's why the guy stands mm. back up, right? Well, I, <laughs> don't they have two livers? Like, how did Laon drink him under the table? I think there is definitely supposed to be some subtle, like, Laon may have more of her ancestry in her than she's aware of, right? Yeah. Like, because they, mm-hmm. I mean, she went toe-to-toe with Una in the first season, and that shouldn't have been doable, I don't think. So right. yeah, there's right. there's definitely some suggestions going on there. And to I was your point, wondering. And to your point, Veronica, <laughs> about the disco Klingons, I feel like they almost gave their thesis on them, like, right up front when Burnham says <laughs> it would be unwise to confuse race with culture when she's talking about the Klingons. And it's like, that's like the writers going here's what we're gonna do right and it 
I really feel that that added a lot of strength to it. And yeah, I mean, people know that I was kind of hoping they would put disco Klingons in here just to piss people off. <laughs> but like, there's no part of me that doesn't love these Klingons. To your point, they're the Klingons, right? Like, TNG right. is home trick. These are home Klingons. I love them. And yeah. Pelia, I, I can't get enough of. <laughs> the point I think to me is like, it's fine either way. Uh, I, I like every time the Federation has to become aware of the fact that they are colonizing the space. Mm -hmm. So I don't like saying this. This is not my favorite position to have because I'm all I'm also like I'm Riker. But it is true <laughs> that this is a show about like humans have gathered like they're colonizing, even though they're respectful about each planet's ways, you just once the Federation, you're part of the Federation, United Federation of Planets. You do have to enter certain standards that are de mm -hmm. defined by the Federation. That's that are yeah. not your mm -hmm. autochthonous, like indigenous, yep. native planetary ways. So you're gonna love episode two. <laughs> anytime, like they bring up this <laughs> subject, you know, I am, I'm, I'm here for this. Um, I just want to discuss that part. What you express is very much the Strange New Worlds vibe, yeah. which I mean, to Jesse's, they kind of state in episode two, which is like. Yeah, Starfleet's not perfect, but we try. Yeah. Right. And it's it's that kind of like, yeah, we are going to look at these problematic elements from the past, but we're also going to keep that positivity right. and love okay. that, that was in the past episodes two series. Yeah, like that thesis is said out loud in, in season one in the goofiest episode that also then <laughs> deals very seriously with yeah. that subject. Okay, cool. So mm. you've, I don't know if this is, worth it but it, you fully convinced me to watch okay very you knew, cool you knew yeah i was going to no but that i mean that's like the essence of our show is to get people to watch star trek and then yeah. talk about it so you're converting so that, you're christians yeah. you're the christians I mean, of star trek look at us <laughs> you have a podcast about star trek too veronica don't i yeah like, yeah, ours is a mess, but I do get into like I do get into these topics because I'm I'm always like fascinated about it. Like it, 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 we talk in universe and out of universe, right? Like I wonder what the mindset of of the writers were at the time. Like mm -hmm. why did they write Troy like this? Why not just the the, mm. the plot problem of like having a betazoid <laughs> figure it, the, the the plot out, but like why are all of her important episodes this like attack on her person, this like alien rape trope? Yeah. Um mm -hmm mental rape you know like, or emotional whatever and and i'm just fascinated by by the entire thing because like ultimately i believe in the federation i believe that what is happening is like it's it's so well built so that what john was saying can happen so that the the people who are human doing human things but are m maybe necessarily not they're selfish or destructive can be found out and like mm. not allowed to ex execute their like terrible plans. But mm. ultimately to me, the, the, where I get juiced up watching Star Trek is when we go to new worlds and new civilizations and we discovered interactions that, that are out of this world that we couldn't have figured out otherwise, because like, yeah, you got to kill yourself when you turn 60. And that is our, our culture. Please do not try to stop me from doing this. If you love me, let mm. me kill myself. Or, you know, all of those things. Such a good episode. I yeah. know. So good. <laughs> or like the inner light where like Picard now has to carry a second whole other life that he lived 
inside of him. So he carries a whole culture inside of him. Those yeah. are the the kind of like uh, the the trick, the reason I'm here and the boners, mm -hmm. like whatever. But <laughs> ah, the, the boners, the Klingon boners, the bulbous lap hearts. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that we could have stated it any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's see if that transitions into the next. Call. Yeah, our new caller this week. We're, uh, I'm hoping we get at least one new caller every week this this season of Open Pike Night. So here is Newman. Hi, Open Pike Night. This is Newman from the Movies for Days podcast. Longtime listener, first time caller, hailing frequencies open. What a great way to start season two. In one little scene, Anson Mount continues to be the most inspiring captain ever. He could yes. tell me that I was capable of punching out Rocky Balboa and climbing Mount Everest all in the same hour. And I would believe him. And then I would do it because that's how inspiring he is. <laughs> Loving to watch Spock continue to struggle with his human side, Vulcan side, making him singularly Spock, just like all of us, having to find out that single truth of who we are. I never thought I would love watching him toast blood wine with Klingons as much as I did. They're going to be singing songs about him. The Vulcan who is not like a Vulcan. Aha! <laughs> and I thought I'd get through the whole episode without tearing up for once. And then they got me. With Spock standing over Nurse Chapel in sickbay, Mbenge, and saying, I don't have words for these feelings. And him simply nodding and saying, yes. Oh, my God. I don't even have kids yet. I'm going to be a wreck when I become a dad. Okay. Yes, you are. Um, I've got more things to say, but I'm running out of time. And you guys say all these great things so well. Keep rocking and rolling. And uh, as Mortegas would say, vamanos. Newman, welcome to the Open Pike Night stage. Thank you for calling with in. open arms, Ab Newman. Yeah, I'm in love with you. Yeah. I love Newman. Right? Right? And <laughs> yeah. like, I don't have kids, but seeing all of my friends have kids, it's not that hard, Newman. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walking the park. Yeah. Uncle perspective, just do it. It's fine. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, same. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a great auntie. Newman has some serious <laughs> self awareness, and that is that is deeply appreciated, man. I, uh, dude, I agree. Like I, mm -hmm. I was tearing up on the transporter pad, and part of that might have been that like my eyes were physically hurt by the most violent beam in ever. Seriously, but, like, mm -hmm. I, I like that. Scene. I, oh, I loved it, but it was like very intentionally disorienting of course where were the worms um <laughs> so <laughs> i was torn up there because ethan's delivery of you do not die was like mm. is he is mm. he saying like i have seen some of the future and you don't die I know. Or, or was it like i cannot handle you dying right now like it was definitely a combination of emotion it felt and, like a witch and fact, it right? felt yeah. like, like a like an incantation yeah. that where he was like Oh, so man. focused, so intense, and he was like, I, I was like, is this a, like a Jedi superpower shit? Like, is this a Vulcan <laughs> it was intense. extra power yeah. that we haven't checked out before? Like, you do not die. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Well, yeah. and we know Vulcans can transfer their Katra if yeah. they need to, so. <laughs> it was bewitching, that moment, yeah. honestly. The moment before that, when he fires on the ship and thinks he killed her, like with the closed eyes. And I mean, that is such good. Faith. It's like he watched the scene from Memento Mori where Anson Mount does the kind of same yeah. thing. And he's like, I can do that. With just his and expressions. He's, he's yeah. Pretty good. It gets, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, that followed by the transporter, followed by the sick base scene. Yeah. 
That that was some of the best. Followed by the drinking scene. Followed by the yes, (laughs) yes. The range, the range from everyone in this episode alone, and is I mean, Spock was enticing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the actors bring so much more Mm -hmm. to the script than you know would be there with another set of actors. And again, I think that just goes back to perfect casting, as Veronica mentioned. Like, yeah. I mean, Spock's arc in this episode is so good when like from the beginning, I, I, de- I have these emotions. I don't think I can be captain because I open myself up to these emotions. And like every beat of the way, when the Klingon captain, who, yes, is fantastic, mm-hmm. tells like Spock, like, oh, you're you're not like other Vulcans. And Spock goes, I guess I'm not like that's such a good moment when he realizes, oh, shit, these this, what makes me unique can be a strength. I don't I mean, have you can to look be. at it from the colonizer point of view, like what makes me human as a strength. But right. I think with him, it's what makes him unique is, yes. is a strength. Yes. And I also I felt I had the same feeling with Spock opening up to feelings he doesn't know he has. I feel like those are have been all my American boyfriends where they're like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the, we're almost to a title of a book here. <laughs> yeah, like they're like, somehow I made them go to that next level. And, and then also I had this uh, boyfriend who used to be a Mormon. And uh, when we were dating, uh, he suddenly was like, okay, I, uh, I like, I love to try weed for the first time. And I was so honored that he chose me. And I feel Uh like Spock, like from the moment he was like, I don't know about this to the moment he finished drinking, like he was hangover. I was like, Mm -hmm. this is, this is Travis. This is, this is what I did to Travis and weed. This is what happens when you open up. You were the Klingon captain. (laughs) I was, I don't know what opened up Spock's feelings in the first place, because that seemed like a, it was weed. uh, He he got high. Oh, okay. It was a Latina girlfriend with, that brought weed to his life. Then listen, I, they might have been. I, my house might be bugged in like the writers. <laughs> Actually, it, it was Chapel, so it was a blonde white girl. Yeah, but. Yeah. Oh, okay, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just as watching this one episode. I'm like, I I must see what happens to Spock in this show. What what is this uh, storyline? Because nothing more enticing to me. To me, this is like an enormous, amazing metaphor for the masculine energy in mm-hmm. the world entering into this era p- post 2020, where we are learning to connect with our emotions. So like, I feel, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm a healer and spiritual. I'm a spiritual person. I read the tarot and I do all kinds of like, I it's a lot. I am a witch. And so, but I'm a good witch of the North. And so the thing that is happening right now that all the, the healers and the energy readers are talking about in this moment in humanity is the masculine is finally learning to get in touch with all of the emotions that we're never allowed to, which are so nuanced and so much more specific than you were taught maybe when you were children. So when Spock turns around and he says, I am feeling emotions I have no words for, no names for, I'm like, this is the masculine in the world right now. And Mm -hmm. the female is now getting in touch for the first time with rage, uh, which is... Uh, an emotion that was the no-no, right? As females, when you're little, they they bring you into your groups and we talk about emotions and it's all we do. And like, we are so trained at, at identifying and scanning emotions to because it's part of our survival. It's a part of the survival of our babies. But we socialize that to the, to the point where it's like 
it's been toxic patriarchy you know about mm-hmm. it and oh, we're aware and so i am just so interested in a group of writers getting together to write a storyline where where it seems parallel to what I believe is happening in the world at large, where the divine masculine, regardless of whether you are identify as masculine or female, uh, feminine, is opening up to all these feelings that they don't have a name for. And like being like, this is who I am. I am a fucking mess. And seeing that journey, this is what I'm watching Star Trek for. This is mm-hmm. what I'm watching Strange New Worlds for. I'm just elated that you brought that up because like one of the most commonly noted things about season one is the truly healthy, positive masculinity that Captain Pike displays as the head of the crew throughout. And I think it's great to see that that is actually filtering, you know, like down in the crew, so to speak. Right. But like they're showing that that actually has an effect on the rest of these people because it's, you know, a lot of people will complain, well, this isn't the Spock we know. He's too emotional. It's like, this is the Spock that's learning from somebody he trusts, right? Like, this is the, this mm-hmm. is where Spock came from. When we got Spock in TOS, this is what he had been through. And it's, it's, I really, I'm just so happy to find somebody agreeing that I like the direction they're going with this. Cause it, it there's been, this is a bit of a very divisive episode, but like season one is very well liked. Yeah. Well, speaking of Star Trek representing the, the current world, I do love when Spock's talking to the Klingon and at first he's just he's just trying logic like it, do, it doesn't make sense. Why would we have fired on them before you could censor us? And the Klingon's not just not taking it like your MAGA uncle at Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> when you try to throw facts at him. And it's when you go, nope, look, I got to meet you on your ground and just drink a beer. And that's how I'm getting through to yeah. you. OK, then it works. Although, but Klingons have more honor. <laughs> you got to drink a beer with your MAGA aunt and uncle. And then you try to slip something in on the side when you're doing that. That's the responsibility we spoke about earlier. Part of being a society is you have to bring those people forward, even if they Mm. do not want to go. Mm -hmm. Like you you find a way. And I also believe that when we were in the in the era, like um, in the ancient times before 2020, part of like what we are like default behavior was to like shut down to to these like rhetorics and speeches and like ways of thinking well i'm always like well i think isolation is what brings about these kind of like radical behaviors so how can we bring them into the fold even if they're like kicking and and screaming how can we like Mm -hmm. bring them into the fold and part of it is like shutting up and like in listening beyond what people are saying same with like Klingons, like right? Because to me, that's Klingon. It's like a hard-headed, fucking fucker. Like where where you're just mm-hmm. like, ah, you just need me to punch you to understand you a little bit, you know? <laughs> but I need to come to your level. But there's a little bit of what we need to do to advance everyone is to listen and to see behind what they're saying. What is the where? Kind of scan them and be like, where is the pain? What is missing mm-hmm, yeah. here? Where is this coming from? And and get to that past right. yeah. past the horrendous like anti LGBTQ slash like uh you know you know whatever thing they may be saying right right and yeah the reasons for their emotions may be false but their emotions are still yes. real so what is the true right. the true cause of them yeah. yes and yeah. what is the then the opposite so like if someone is feeling like they're losing everything it's like a lack of control so what kind of wound is that and like how to what is the opposite of that where it's like yeah. I hear you, I see you, 
I hear you. I see mm-hmm. you. You are afraid. And then it just like this, this, dismantle that. So I feel like this is maybe why I'm also attracted to Star Trek is because they play with that. Those dynamics, mm-hmm. they are amazing at dramatizing them and making them like, yeah, let's fucking drink blood wine. Like, <laughs> I think John has actually phrased it my favorite way, which is the Star Trek future is a future for everybody. Like they're yeah. you. And- if, if you if you exclude people, then it's not the Star Trek future. If you right. if you like, mm-hmm. well, they don't belong in that future. It's like, yeah, they they do. That's the they whole do. thing about the Star Trek future is they do need to belong and. Yes, not everything can can be sustained the way it is now, but if we're not bringing everybody along, then we're not heading toward that future. Yes, facts. The optimism mm-hmm. is in being willing to fight that fight forever on a, on a federational galactic scale, right? Like <laughs> you have to have people willing to fight that fight in that organization for that to work at all. Yes, and in our lives as well, if we can take like a, like a, you know, a cue from Star Trek. So I believe like the Trekkie fandom might be like the only group of people who's like, okay, 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 we, we, we know how this works. Okay, this, we know how this, I know how we can kind of make this work. If we were just less dorky and more like strong physically, maybe. Well, we're not. <laughs> we charisma charisma as a would be really nice. But yeah. hey, you know what? A podcast to people. or two or three is a great first step. A podcast is a That's great. Right. That's right. Step. Yes, this, I, this is how I compare everything. So I, I merge in whenever, like I have a podcast called The Cherry on Top and I talk a little bit about like juju stuff, a little bit about like personal anecdotes. Hmm. It's on my Patreon. But I always compare everything to Star Trek, whether my listeners are Star Trek people or not because i'm i'm like well imagine imagine star trek money is not a thing right and food is replicated so then now what are our concerns you know mm-hmm. like to understand each other to explore to see what is this human relation like what are my like just to to witness each other which is what i love about a star trek crew a good star trek crew is like everyone in the crew witnesses each other go through things like um like uh, the doctor with Spock, where Spock mm-hmm. is like, uh, where he's like, oh, it seems like you're experiencing something. If I didn't know better, I think I would say you're experiencing stress. And Spock is like, <laughs> and and doctor is kind of like, yo, I'm here. Like, I'm just like quietly without saying much. I'm just I'll witness you go through this. And that's comforting for me to watch. It's like mm-hmm. it's like that nuance that you mentioned sort of being given room to exist because that's like that's the antidote to the toxic right is the the open and available and like yeah just feel it go through the feelings which is interesting because actually when we asked ethan peck and jess bush what they learned from each other ethan peck said i learned that you need to be able to go through the necessary emotions to arrive where you need to be for the scene on the day Mm -hmm. and it's like wow you you just nailed that and you weren't even there for that interview <laughs> holy crap <laughs> yeah. what is and, your can i ask you now that you watched the show what is your favorite character in this specific show so far well the podcast has a specific oh, favorite, yeah. of course still yeah. ortegas uh, ortegas um, hands down yeah i mean and, yes yeah. we want more tegas yeah. yeah that's and she and she just because she is emblematic of that positivity and confidence and you know well-placed cockiness and hyper competence it's just like mm-hmm. she's the she's the aspirational character like earlier when you said you know who do you think of yourself as i wouldn't pick her 
but she's definitely my goal. Like I want to have right. that level of calm, cool, collected. I want to know when to snark off to my boss because it would save a life. You know, like yeah. I, I really do admire that character. And I, you know, after we talked to Melissa Navia, it's like so much of the character is just her to your point about casting. So much of the character is just her. And that, I mean, that's really difficult for me to get past, but any of these people I think make amazing role models. If you, if you had to pick one mm-hmm. that just moved me to the, yeah, well, I, it moved me to hear that because one of my, I might like get emotional because one of my things as a, someone from Latin America, who's in the Star Trek fandom is like, where am I? I didn't right. make it. I didn't make it to the future. No, there's because there's no I mean, look. I'm like actually emotional. If you're if you're at home listening, I am <laughs> tearing up because this is like so important to me. Because because I watch all these shows and I consume all this like stuff and I pay money to to be part like to be part of the fandom because I want to buy the trinkets and the dolls and the things. Like I am that mm-hmm. person, and there's no me. There's mm. no me anywhere, and so. Like Latinos and like uh, people with my accent and the, that look like me didn't make it to the future. So the entire like through TNG and through our Treks in the City episode, I'm like, I just want to I just want to know when we're going to get an episode that explains what the fuck happened to Latin America, because the, clearly we blew up or something because we didn't make oh, it. Man. <laughs> There's a couple of like ensigns here and there with mm-hmm, the Lopez. Mm-hmm. They throw around. Oh, Gomez. They, Gomez, they brought yeah. on Gomez. Gomez. It was going to be great. And, and she immediately screwed up. <laughs> I know. And then we have Torres, and I did not want to be a half Klingon. Like, so I did not want that to be my representation. I honestly didn't. So, like, yeah. no shade Fair. to that specific character, but I was just like, come on. Uh, so, to, so, to me, this specific character is not anything. It's, it's mm-hmm. so important mm-hmm. in my fandom. So. And Veronica, we get, I mean, this episode doesn't have a lot of Ortegas. You are going to. Love I'm excited. Yes. I'm excited she, for this. She is so good. Yeah. She is so good. Okay, I'm I'm really excited. So I uh I think uh, both the character and the actor have gained definitely a new fan for sure. Very cool. If there's if there's anything Open Pike Knight would like to do, it's add people to the Ortegas Navia fan list. Yes. <laughs> Who do we got next, John? All right, next up we have uh Matt returning to the Open Pike Knight stage. This is Platinum 3 co-host of the Slime Time series of podcasts and a member of your Discord from the very first moments of its live birth. Wow, that definitely was um, an interesting episode to start the season. This week brought us Emotional Spock, Captain Planet, and Nurse Nebula. I'll say there are some amazing character moments here with the crew going off on their own. The whole mission setup and the resolution was great. I'm okay with what they're doing with Spock. Great character stuff. And... Of course, I love our new immortal engineer. But what the F was with the super soldier serum? Come on. I wanted to know more about the Klingon war, not just go see Joseph and Christine turn into Captain Planet and Nurse Nebula. That was in one word. Didn't add to the show at all. <laughs> Dumb strobe-lit filler sequence. And speaking of lighting, bold move there bringing Terra Metallus in as Gaffer on this one. And there was one minuscule thing that made me super happy, kind of weird, though. But it was the mention of the 100 million deaths during the Klingon War. Star Trek usually doesn't give numbers or gives ridiculously low ones. Worlds blow up and they talk thousands of deaths or race go extinct and they say a million people died. But, you know, we got 7 billion people on Earth. Cosmic death tolls should be higher. And kind of sadly, though, they did it. 
Final thoughts, they're not staying episodic plot-wise. They're doing the season-long Gorn thing. Ugh, ugh, small stakes. Just stick with the small stakes. All right, season one, episode one was better setting up the emotional through line. I give the bonus to season one, but great setting this week. Strange New Worlds count, one. All right, Platy M3, thank you for calling in and love the specificity. Yes, and and I love that, like we have said before, Folks who don't enjoy the episodes are as welcome to call in as folks who do. And it is good to hear. I really, really liked his point about the hundred million deaths. And I love that they said that number out loud because it's like, yes, Mm -hmm. there are huge wars happening. And Star Trek is bad about ever fully acknowledging uh, like just the, the devastating cost. And it was nice to see they finally did that. Well, and mm-hmm. Benga drove it home talking about like the pink air, oh. and he was like, "I it was like raining blood." I was like, yeah. "If they put a Slayer track behind this fight, I'll be fine with it." Honestly, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I may do that anyway, just for social media. But like, I, I, I might that might improve the scene for me. Yeah. I, I, and really quick, Platy, it's called Battle Meth, man. Come on, like, <laughs> we're sticking with Battle Meth, okay? We, I think that's pretty good. I honestly was I honestly thought it was going to be like uh, liquefied time crystals because it was so green and it was like, oh, yeah, this just alters their perception of time to make them seem really fast. Right. Ooh, honestly, I, to me, they seem like a like a, if you could take a popper and like make it times a hundred thousand. But it's a popper. Yeah. Like you yeah. sniff it and then you're like, <laughs> and then you're you're it's over. Yeah. And sheer volume wise, that was a lot of drugs, like I, just yeah. by volume that they injected into <laughs> and their body. Actually, to that point, that how much bad. of that do you usually take, John? Because I've seen your vials. They are not right? that big. No, they're like, not that big. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they hit that know, hard. That was, a, hard. that was a big vial. And it was yeah. green. It, right? It was green. It was like yeah. ecto cooler yeah. green. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I for me, Space like mesh. I said, I yeah. think it fits because there's or, or I thought it fit because it felt like they went how do we get them out of here without them getting killed mm-hmm. and but I mean it definitely I will say this this is as close as I will get to saying I didn't like it uh it definitely felt very marvel right like it was mm. uh, a a marvel show uh yeah. where they have a hallway fight scene and you know they're they're establishing smaller stakes on kind of a big scale um so I could I could definitely see where it would take somebody out of the show. I will definitely concede that point. It's speaking of like small details that maybe we liked or didn't. Uh, why would these saboteurs need phasers? Why and phasers? Why do they need yeah. Federation phasers? They they just need the ship to show up and shoot some guys and then get blown up. That's all they needed. Yeah. It was probably my guess would be that the phaser technology on a ship is just a scaled up version of a hand phaser technology. And they were trying to reverse engineer it instead of saying, can we get a phaser turret? But 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 it's also interesting. (laughs) He said, like, when we come back, we need more. But they were launching the attack. Right. So it was like and part of that could be like maybe that guy's not as high up as we thought he was. Mm -hmm. Um, The other the other point I do remember what I was going to say. I totally hear you. With the serialization and the Gorn stakes and, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. a thing. But I will say, I mean, they they barely showed us a Gorn blip on a radar. It, it, there wasn't like a, you know, cut to a colony outside of Gorn space and we see something happen right. and we're left to wonder, oh, was that the Gorn? Or, you know, because it's like, we know that they're going to use the Gorn. That I, I'm fine with that. 
But I totally hear you on the serialization aspect. It does feel slightly less episodic than season one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm all out of Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> if you, Tell us how you feel. If you want more Gorn puns, we have them. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we do have a little more uh, talk about the uh, Klingon war here just to continue on with this thread. Hey, Open Pike Knight. Well, it looks like Michael Burnham's little brother is getting into some mischief with the Klingons, just like <laughs> yes. his big sister did. <laughs> you see what I did there? That was for you, Jesse. Though I do like I the bookend <laughs> of Michael Burnham accidentally starting a Klingon war and Spock preventing one. So nice mm. discovery reference there. But I, I hear the divisiveness of this episode and I share some of the concerns. But ultimately, I had a great time watching. It was a, a classic Star Trek episode. The fight scenes were a little long for my liking, and I do share some of the criticism about Chapel just kind of serving Mbenga and Spock storylines. And this does happen a lot in, in media with female characters kind of propping up the male characters. But I don't think that's the case here. That's a pattern that's going to be continued. I think everyone will get their chance to shine. But particularly the PTSD storyline with Mbenga, Chapel, and even Spock, and the introduction of, like, music therapy. Um, as a drummer, I totally get just even to calm your emotions, how music can help, even as a drummer. <laughs> and I'm sure many people can relate. Um, but I loved this story, and they, they're just checking in on everyone. It was very brave not to have Pike center stage in this episode, but I thought it gave everyone kind of a moment to shine. I love Carol Kane. And finally, for my Crusher connection... Not to spoil it, Cameron, but there is a scene in season three of Star Trek Picard that references Beverly Crusher and a lot of blood wine. So I think she could drink everyone in this episode under the table, and I would love to see that. There's my Crusher connection. Can't wait for next week's episode. Live long and prosper. All right. Michelle with Crusher Convo calling in with the heat. Every time we learn something new about Michelle, she just gets cooler. I'm just going to say that. I didn't know you were a drummer, Michelle. That is very cool as a metalhead. Uh, I totally agree drumming. with you. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> oh, really? I also think like if you're going to pick up an instrument to let go of some kind of bullshit, it would be the one mm. where you hit things, you hit know? Things a lot. Like, uh, yeah. so yeah, rhythmically hit. I will say this. Mbenga says maybe you should try something more human. I don't know why he handed him an instrument because obviously he was saying steal a starship. We'll do some drugs and fight. You can blow up a starship and then get drunk with Klingons. Like, that's the human therapy he was referencing, right? That's that Scott. I, I think so, yeah. yeah. I thought he was like, take this instrument and go smash it against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> you mean the Vulcan Wonder Wall? Uh, <laughs> you got there. Good job. There's always a drunken guitar moment. You yes, need it. Exactly. So, once you've done all you've done, pull out the Vulcalele and like. Yep. That's that's the post credit scene. All the drunk Klingons around him while he's while he's playing. (laughs) I will say, I guarantee you, nobody does metal like the Klingons. I guarantee it. They are the most metal, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. They're like definitely because those hairs and and the the jackets and the whole. Listen, yeah, I'm here with you on this one. I I will like I don't love this episode, but having Pike just leave to start the episode, you couldn't it would not have been as good an episode as it was if they tried to keep Pike in somehow. Mm. And I do like the yeah, just the here are the keys. Don't you know, don't have any parties. Don't fuck up the ship. Yep, don't fuck up the ship, mm-hmm. don't get in don't trouble. Scratch it. 
I'll be the back. showrunners have the exact same confidence in their show that Pike instilled in Spock. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I also feel right. like um, as a newcomer, first time watching this, no, no, uh, what do you call that? No uh, anesthesia. Mm-hmm. No Just baggage. Straight, straight up, <laughs> straight to season mm-hmm. one episode, uh, season two, episode one. I didn't eat Pike. And mm. I don't know the dynamic of the show. I don't know what he brings to the table. I could tell he brings the the gravitas and the weight of the, the center, you know, of the captain, what the, which is what should a captain do. But um, I just was having fun getting to know everyone. If just I just want to know because those would be my buddies anyway. Those are the people I'll gravitate towards as a as a person watching the show probably anyway so just just let that go away for a moment while mm-hmm. all the while i get to know the kids and then we'll deal with that <laughs> like i'm okay with this being my very first approach to strange new worlds that's also a very yeah. apt description that. of it yes <laughs> it is yes <laughs> he is space dad space dad <laughs> can go look for a space mom and then kids the kids what do the kids get into this, it's like the story of my life. Space Dad has to get Space Mom out of jail, and uh, I steal the car. Space Dad needs to go get a case of space cigarettes. Yep. Are, you sure they, are you sure your story needs to say space before any of those words? Because It makes it sound much cooler. Yeah, yeah it makes it sound like... Way less sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the only way I get through the day. Space right. Mommy. So That's that right. being said, I am I'm eager to find out what number one is to me and i'm Mm. eager to find out what kind of captain pike is in this show because of course i met him in discovery right Mm -hmm. so i'm Mm -hmm. like i just want to get to know these characters at this point i'm 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 looking forward to it but you know for that i probably like episode one will probably be uh, season one will probably be mostly about establishing pike's relationship to this world if i had to take a guess Mm -hmm. um so i have a lot of homework now (laughs) no rush we're recording recording ds9 tomorrow yeah oh cool yeah yeah i can't wait to get out of season one Uh, we have the other half of crusher convo uh who makes a good point at the beginning of her call Hey guys, it's Jesse from Crusher Convo. I am so excited because this is my first time calling in while you cover a season of Strange New Worlds. Last year I hadn't seen it while you guys started, so I didn't join in until the season one retrospect. So I can't wait to share my thoughts with you this season. I just saw the premiere for the second time today, and all I could say is, O.M. Gates. What the heck? That was bloody crushtastic. I loved how they, I know, I know we saw this in the trailer, but I just really loved how they wanted to hear Spock's like go in kind of the same manner as we saw with Captain Seven in Star Trek Picard. So I did like that nice little parallel. I really, really love Palea. Carol Kane, chef's kiss, end of story. There is just so much I want to talk about, but I really want to highlight the Mbenga and Chapel scenes. The fight scenes, bevmazing. I mean, come on. Mbenga kind of scared me a bit, but that's a good thing, right? So again, so much to talk about, but I will just end it right there. So thanks for listening, guys. Crusher out. Talk about on brand with uh, Jesse from Crusher Convo there calling in. I have a note about what I wanted to talk about 
uh, after her call as far as a topic. I can't even say it because it would be too mm. much information for season Truth. one. And I, I, it's it's too important for me to to talk about mm. it. But all for I, me. Yep. I do me? like the all for you and <laughs> I do very much appreciate what they're doing with Mbenga coming mm-hmm. into this season. Like we've talked about already mm-hmm. before. It's like, it's just good to meet these characters so much on with so much more depth. I yeah. love it. But producer John, I have got to learn what that bookhouse boys gesture with the eye is. Oh, yeah. yeah. I need to know it's what that's too means. cool. Yeah. yeah. Mbenga the intensity with which he talks about the blood rain and then and then that chap the chapel uh scene i was like this is why i googled this character this is why i only googled this character and carol kane because i was like what what happened what happened here and so one of the things i'm looking forward to to finding out is everything about this character and (laughs) if this is the most in-depth we've gone it's okay but i'm hoping that i can find some gems in season one about this character because i'm already might be like one of my favorites please call him this is is so good (laughs) this is so good We uh, we can't talk a, about season one. I, we can't talk about season two. I love it. You can. I'm not. I'm not gonna be. You know, if spoilers, can't talk about DS Nine because I'm yeah. spoilers won't won't get me that much oh. down. You know, like I knew. Well, it would we'll be leave too these much. for you. Yeah. It would okay, be too okay, much. Okay, yeah. No, no, okay, it's okay. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Our listeners know what we're I talking trust about. You, they know. But just know, I'll be fine. To Jesse's point, I love I love that the uh, the go conversation, the go command worked in the trailer, and then I loved getting the longer version in the episode. Like those are the kind of trailer moments I like, where it kind of works in both versions and doesn't ruin the the setup. And Spock having a very human moment of totally not nailing the punchline. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, going back to Pelia real quick, Jesse mentioned Pelia. I do love that her character is introduced with her giving the bullshit expression on her face where she just hears the thing about the warp core and turns around and goes that's fucking bullshit <laughs> and and we don't even we don't even see her like go to a panel she's like no i know this is not really happening I was i've just there. been doing this a long time yes Pac is like what are you implying she's like oh i'm not implying anything yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm telling saying. you what's happening yeah <laughs> i also love how they're like okay we have this plan to steal the enterprise and then Mitchell walks in, types some stuff in, and it's like, plan is complete. Now we can steal the Enterprise. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of my problem, guys. It's like, we've seen the steal the Enterprise scene, and I, I mean... Nothing else? Nothing I, else they, had to happen besides Jenna Mitchell walking yeah. into engineering? <laughs> also, the Enterprise gets stolen so much, you think by the end of uh, Star Trek VI, when Kirk like disobeys orders and flies to our second star to the right, like... I think by that point, Starfleet would have just put a, a remote yeah, detonator yeah, override, on the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> like, we know how the captains do this. I might be Spock because my dad could not leave the cars of his, the keys to his car anywhere near me in plain sight because that car was gone. Like <laughs> every single time, ever since I was fourteen, I was just out there spocking it up mm-hmm. with a uh, with a uh, my Enterprise. Honestly, I don't think it's possible to be Riker and Spock. Although they both do rock a beard on and off. Yeah. So. Who would be. who would be most likely to steal the Enterprise? 
well, this podcast is easy. Our, I mean, Veronica is absolutely people are going to be like, so do you guys all have to keep hosting Open Pike Night? Or right, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to cut so much of her stuff. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> just to keep your, your positions, just to keep your spots. <laughs> do what you got to do. This is a, it's a tough world out there. Watch your backs. Uh, <laughs> I mean, tricks in the city. Jenna Mitchell, who goes into engineering and types oh, in the Mitchell. control, we interviewed Rong Fu, the actress, and she said her her personal inner version of Jenna Mitchell is that she is just over everybody's crap. And she's like, these people, I cannot believe all the drama we get into. So I could see her trying to steal or shut down the Enterprise and just be like, fine, <laughs> here. Like, I'm convinced she actually was trying to sabotage the warp engine in that scene and just mess it up somehow. Like <laughs> I I love that we get more Jenna Mitchell yes. in this episode. Yeah. And I've been seeing a lot of people are loving yeah. that. So I hope we keep getting more Jenna yeah. Mitchell. We know these showrunners will take note of a good performance and increase screen time based on that. So that's very yeah. cool. Well, if they continue with the Star Trek trends, you know, in TNG, they'll see like a good guest star and then like mm -hmm. bring them on mm -hmm. not even two episodes later. It's like, I remember this person's face. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I literally just saw them. But you just put hey, a ridge on their head. That's it. Why that not? Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. just make them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now she's Ro. What can I yep. say? She's Ro yep. now. <laughs> Who do we got next, John? We have Venus calling in. Okay. It is 12. 28 a.m. Dedication. Directly after the episode came out. Hi, boys. Um, it's Venus, but Ortegas on Twitter, whatever, whatever. Um, I hated this episode. I did. I wish that I didn't. I wish that it was something that I enjoyed more. As you guys all know, I don't like a war storyline. I don't like, like, hardcore, like, ooh, and it's an action sequence. I like the politics, I like the positivity that we've seen in Strange New Worlds up until this point, and this episode doesn't feel like it fits into that. And it doesn't feel like a good starter for season two either. Honestly, I think we could have started with the trial episode and been fine, but this is like clearly a follow-up to episode, I think, nine, um, which makes me think it could have just replaced episode ten and everything would have been pretty similar. I don't know. I'm just disappointed by the episode. Um, the timing and or the pacing was weird. The emotions were all over the place, and they seemed to go back and forth with tone a lot. With like the "Ooh, Christina and Benga are about to die," and then Erica's making a comment about chipped paint. It just didn't sit right with me, and it didn't feel like Strange New Worlds so far. High hopes for episode two, though. I'm excited for the trial. I I love that call because it starts with. I hated this episode. High hopes for episode two. Like, <laughs> yeah. true, true fan there. Well, also, I'm I'm curious uh, what Venus thinks now because I I mean I had issues. I mean the same issues I've I put forth this episode. But on my second watch, I was like, okay, I know the parts I'm not going to like. I know that I don't really buy Spock buying stealing the Enterprise, but I know it's going to happen. So I'm just going to go with the right. I'm going to view it through Jesse's eyes, <laughs> and I did enjoy it more the second time. I did. I was able to focus on the things I loved. Love the red rings around the planet. Mm -hmm. A lot, lot of stuff. A lot oh, of the planet was gorgeous. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I hear you on Ortegas, but I, I feel like what we know of Erica is that she's always cool. Like she, she's unflappable, right? And she mm -hmm. 
like in season one, she had that moment of like, I don't, I'm not really sure about this whole gas giant idea. But in this instance, she's in her zone. This is yeah. what Ortega's mm-hmm. does. She's a combat veteran. She hides from Klingons. She, you know, dupes Klingons, that kind of a thing. So I definitely hear you where it probably came across as a little callous, especially because we know Christine and Erica are friends. Yeah. But I, mm-hmm. I really think it's there to show like, she will do her job and be a soldier if she has to. Like, But also, I mean, maybe she's just a glass is half full and Spock's a glass is half empty. Because I was yeah. wondering, like, why are they assuming they're on the right. ship? They don't know they're on the ship. They know they were on the ship at one point to set this to stress right. signal. Yeah. So maybe yeah. Erica's just like, nah, nah, they wouldn't stay on she's the ship. She's super confident that, that they wouldn't do that. My having worked a job where high pressure situations could suddenly arise, erupt, and literally explode... I think like the most concise way I could put it is Ortegas at some point in her career, probably during the war, realized you can crack under pressure or you can wisecrack under pressure. And she has chosen wisecrack under pressure and it makes her the ace pilot that she is. But it is it is likely a coping mechanism to your point. It's mm. it's a way to go. I got to get through the stress and That's do my job. That's absolutely how I see it. I mean, I do it. It's, it's, it's yeah. my coping mechanism a lot of the time. So. I can see how it would feel absolutely callous because it's like, yeah, I mean, you do have to know that that's a possibility of what's going on, but yeah, you also need, you have a whole ship in, in your hands. And I will, I think I have said this elsewhere, but I will reiterate this here. This episode two is an all timer, like <laughs> for me. So I take the one from that's that coming as up. you, mm-hmm. yeah, take from that what you will, Venus, like, I, I was blown away by the second episode. <laughs> have you all watched, watched it? We've, we've all watched we, the first six episodes. First yeah. Six, yeah. Wow. I'm so eager. Yeah. Uh, but I do agree. Like, I think I'm with Venus in, in terms of like, I do like diplom- diplomacy. I like mm. the positive stuff, you know, you, I feel like you can tell, like, my person, I don't, every time they start fighting, I'm like, ah, like, this is where, like, <laughs> this is where, like, my ADD, I know I don't like it, not because I don't want it, it's just, I'll grab my phone, and it's like, why am I on my mm. phone? And it's like, all oh, right, because they're doing the stupid fight. Uh, so, that is generally, it, from my gut, how I feel about it. But mm-hmm. a little bit of action is like you need a little bit of action in Star Trek, not just talking heads a lot of times. Um, sure. I don't need that much blood or punches and mm. almost see a character die like every episode. It's too much for me. Yep. And then it mm-hmm. becomes I become kind of numb at the fact that they may die every time. Like I don't need that necessarily. I think mm-hmm. uh, the risks can be. All, all sorts of risks I like, but the immediate physical risk of like a of like a hand to hand combat. Yeah, well, in every moment with a character's life or death, you're not really getting to know the character. Yeah. You've got to see the downtime to know who these people exactly. are, to know what they're fighting for. Yeah. Yes, and what yeah. they stand for. I think this episode has had the highest like personal stakes for for multiple characters of any episode. Like, yes, I mean, maybe outside of like the entire ship being in trouble a couple times in season one like this was this felt like really personal stakes for a lot of people on top of being important uh you know franchise level for the plot yeah Yeah. Yeah. it felt very intense personally for as as far as i could tell the stakes of this you know were ultimately like 
a lot of Federation lives, but in season one, we saw the stakes anywhere from Captain Pike's soul all the way up through <laughs> diplomatic relations and obviously the ship personal lives. But yeah, it was, it, it runs a gamut and that gamut mm-hmm. does include politics and yep. diplomacy and it, it works so yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have come to the final call of the evening and we had a ton of great calls. We appreciate everyone who called. We're sorry we couldn't get to all of them. Kelly and D. Uh, don't worry, you'll hear us talk about it on the Patreon. And thank you to all of our patrons and our 25-minute set patrons, Steve, Pam, Morhana, Shatterhand, and Mark. Now let's get on with our final call. Hey, John, Cam, and Jesse. I'm so excited to have my voice beam down on Open Pike Night. It's going to be so amazing, so cool. I am so excited about season two. I have been so nervous about Una because I'm like, how are you going to keep a good number one down? But Captain Pike said, don't worry about it. I got it. I'm on it. But in the meantime, he put Spike in charge. And Spike's command was, I would like the ship to go now. Yeah, I probably should have strapped in as soon as he said that. This episode was insane. I don't know why I think I can predict the crew of the Enterprise. They always going to get the job done. They have so many different layers to them. This was so exciting to watch. And yeah, did Dr. Mbanga just punch somebody out? Okay, yeah, I'm not ready for this. Season two is about to be epic and crazy, and I cannot wait to join you guys. Thank you so much. That was Ryan Bennett from the Black Girl Nerds podcast, who is our next guest for episode two season two of star trek strange new worlds i forgot the name because it's in latin and i think i'll be allowed to say it at that point right per astra ad aspera thank you per astra ad astra so this is a catchphrase of uh strange angel um so here's what cbs failed okay here's out let me tell you per as per astra ad astra um at stera astra but the reason we were able to reach all the way to Star Trek levels as as a humanity started with the invention of rocket science. At some point, humans were like, we see things out there and we want to go check them out. And in real life, that uh, process started in California. Jack Parsons in the at some point in the 30s was like, you know what? I just want to blow some shit up until we get to the moon somehow. And he was like a fearless, uh, fearless, just I'm going we're going we're going to put a man on the moon. We're going to put a man out there. And then CBS comes up with a show called Strange Angel, which is all about Jack Parsons coming up with with the rocket ships and like space oh. science and all that and jet propulsion mm. basically so the jpl labs here in california are jack parsons laboratories but also jet propulsion so and it's all because of him and this has to do with why america was so efficient at world war ii and and you know this is all this all correlates to if we if we move 300 400 years in the future we have the enterprise we have you know but it is all linked to this and so cbs or cbs plus at the time now paramount plus has Mm. two shows one is about the beginning of rocket science and how the man first started going to the moon i am a serious regular in that show it got canceled eventually and then they have star trek as a franchise so in my head i was like easy because i'm a star trek fan i'm like 
market them as this is what started mm. everything. Yeah. This is it's a prequel to Star it Trek. It is a prequel to Star Trek, and it is historical, actual uh, like an actual show. But here's where it gets dark. Jack Parsons was in a sex cult, and he became the leader of this sex cult. And this is no joke. This is the OTO. They're still active, and they do sex magic. And Jack Parsons became like a high minister of this cult, and. It's believed that thanks to his association with his sex magic stuff is that he achieved everything he achieved to the point where, like, we're now in space. So... Is that part of the show? This is very much part of the show. I'm watching the this show. Is, this sounds amazing. This is straight up. Like, we're all subscribed to Paramount Plus. Just watch it. I'll get a residual check. <laughs> and I want to hear you telling me whether I am right or not. Because, but this, the show is dark and it's all about Jack Parsons dealing with his like inner animal and the sex cult thing. But it's historically accurate. The, the mm. show was very well researched in terms of like space travel and the, it's historically accurate. So I'm like, mm. come on, Paramount Plus. You could have like, made the two kind of bond together and that in my head in universe explains why star trek is generally horny like, <laughs> because of sex magic it's the only way it could have happened i love that sounds irrefutable i gotta say look you want to make progression as a human race you gotta have some sex cults it's just gonna <laughs> happen yo Am I wrong? Yeah, I have not heard of that show in, until I was researching you. And if, if they had advertised it as even Star Trek adjacent a little bit, if they had put it up on the like, check out this show on Paramount I Plus, I would have checked out the show. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just stuck on the sex. <laughs> you should be. And you know what? We're invited. We're inviting you to the temple. You can participate in a ritual if you want. <laughs> if they had just called the show Sex Magic, right. I think more people would have watched <laughs> that it. That would kind of like make it difficult to know it's also about rockets though yeah that is a part that i think they could have correlated it more but just just remember in the back of your mind that man got to to the moon because the man who was like let's fucking make it happen was also out there shooting his rocket ship was literally let's (laughs) rising to the top (laughs) uh what's the what's the latin name of the episode jesse astra peraspera that translates as a rough road leads to the stars. Oh, very cool. So lots of rough stuff and uh, strange angel. Got it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I, think, I think we've reached the end. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be all we have, right? <laughs> so, Veronica, what plugs do you have? Share them with all of our listening audience with the world and uh, let us know what you're up to. Okay, so you can follow me in every platform at Veronica Osorio V. So that's O-S-O-R-I-O, like a bear and a river in Spanish. Oso Rio. <laughs> okay. And then a V mm. at the end. Uh, I'm also Cherry V on Spotify and iTunes. And so my YouTube channel, same. I just released a song called Dolce Vida. It's in Spanish. It's Latin, alt, Latin rap. And then additionally, two more things. The plugs keep coming because I'm a multi-hyphen. We have (laughs) patreon.com slash treks in the city if you want to support us there. And if you like my personal vibe, like um, more my spiritual like rap stuff, you can go to my personal Patreon. That's patreon.com slash cherryland because I'm cherry. So it's cherryland. It's cute. It works. And uh, (laughs) if you're in L.A., in the L.A. area, 
please come, please come to my comedy show. I, I just got on, put on a UCB house theme as a, as a character performer. Ooh. So I'm doing a character show at the first Wednesday of every month at 8.30 p.m. Every single character is it's funny. All of my teammates are hilarious, and I'm so lucky to be part of it. And yeah, watch Strange Angel. Get into sex magic. I'm I'm not paid. I'm not part of this cult, but you guys <laughs> just saying feel free. Feel free. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> As a film fan, Veronica, I do have to ask one sentence. What was it like working with the Cohen brothers on Hail Season? Okay. You yeah, this is a good question. Uh it was absolutely fantastic. The they are just if I, I don't like I don't think I can think of a better case scenario for for directors in terms of like their personality to work with. And also I'll say the the preparation, the pre-production that went into this film specifically was so heavy and meticulous that by the time we got to set it's it was the preparation set us up for us to have just an amazing time and be relaxed and improvise. They allowed me to improvise. They would throw lines at me like, hey, do you want to say it like this now? And do you want to say this line now? So I was so happy because I come from an improv and comedy background. And to have that kind of freedom, mm-hmm. I, I felt so honored because in film, you usually don't find that kind of freedom. You usually just go for what what's in the script. There's no like... Mm-hmm. You know, unless it's specifically a comedy movie, but they were Mm -hmm. that they are the perfect Venn diagram between like comedy, which is kind of messy and a lot of people are just improvising. So they were not there in film. That's so like specific and strict and like kind of more square. And they're right. That sweet spot in the middle where it's not messy, but it's not fully like just a square. And Mm -hmm. I just fantasize with having with working with some people like that again in my life and honestly i don't think i'll find people like them that are not them again because it was extremely special and in a way that i cannot like i've been in so many projects with so many types of creators and i've never encountered something like this so great question and yes extremely special i feel so lucky and i had a great time thank you for asking Thank you for being here. This is yes. this has been fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Jesse, I'm going to ask you now to rate this episode <laughs> as compared to the first episode of season 1. Which one is a better episode? Just thumbs up, thumbs down, no numbers. <laughs> this one is a better episode. Okay. Cam, mm. I'm going to go the other way. I I think season 1 had the better uh premiere. Season 1 was the better episode. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go with you. I think season one had a stronger first episode, but it's not like it's a huge distance between the two. So, no, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think season one, episode one is definitely will stand up as a better episode. It's more consistent. But if someone said the highs of this one were higher than the other, I I'd accept that argument. You will uh, know my answer. Excellent. Thank you. I was just about <laughs> to ask. Know, yes. Where do I send these calls to? Like, where where is this place that I should for the new listeners? Yes, and for me. <laughs> as as has been evidenced this whole night, uh, Veronica has set us up perfectly. Jesse, how can somebody get on the Open Pike Night stage? 
The easiest way to do that is to go to openpike.com slash join us. You can record your voice message right there on your phone or computer. Of course, if you prefer a higher quality file, you can just record an MP3 and send it to openpike at gmail.com. All right. And we uh, we always welcome new callers. We always love our callers. We got a lot of calls. I think this is our highest number of calls for a regular season episode, and we love it. I said last year, I can't wait to get to the point where I have to start cutting some calls. And I promise you, as I selectively cut through the uh, weeks, I will not keep cutting the same people again and again. Everybody's going to get their chance on the Open Pike Night stage. Thank you, everybody, for joining us as we return to Season 2 of Strange New Worlds and Season 2 of Open Pike Night. We've had a great kickoff to Season 2, and we cannot wait to hear from all our callers, fans, and guests. Where else can folks find us, Jesse? You can find us on basically any social media outlet you can think of at Open Pike. That includes Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and you can go to Discord and search for the Open Pike Night backstage server. That's the easiest way to keep in touch with us throughout the week, and you can also sign up on Substack to our weekly newsletter, which will get you incoming guests it will get you calls to action and it goes straight to your email so you don't even have to think about it and cam where can folks find more of you yeah if you want to watch my journey through the next generation and now deep space nine you can find us on green shirt a newbie strike through tng where i am watching star trek the next generation season six now for the very first time we've also gotten to the point where we're watching ds9 and we have our ds9 minute where we each bring nine things to talk about the episode in the amount of time it takes you to drive to the store so check out both of those on the green shirt feed wherever you're listening to this podcast jesse where else can folks find you you can find my other podcast called Sudden But Inevitable, which is where I force my friends to like stuff I feel they probably should have seen by now. And it it really, it started all with Firefly. That's why it's called Sudden But Inevitable. There's a heavy space western couple of seasons there. We get into a little bit of anime, but trust me, it's a lot of fun. And I can be found on Twitter at John T. Bolds. It's been a long night, and the Open Pike Night crew needs to go, well, just rewatch all of season one along with Veronica and everybody else should do. Let's get those stream numbers up. Let's keep Strange New Worlds going forever. Be sure to tip your servers. Be sure to clean up after yourselves. You can go anywhere you want, but you can't stay here. Mm-hmm.